Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Q. And Mike Dijon. From King's Bounty, and you're checking out the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast. Listen up. I'm from Brooklyn. You just washed the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time. You hit it. He hits my hair. Howie Abrams, we're live, my man. All right, good to be back. <laughs> 85 episodes later. That's right. It's like a lifetime. It's crazy. It's I a lifetime it, and a half. It's like it was 20, episode 20, and it's just crazy. I've been, the last couple of episodes I've been saying, like, it's crazy that I broke 100. Like, right, right. episode 105. Well, you got real prolific after a while. Like, you just started doing a lot of episodes. Yeah. And getting, like, all different people. You would travel to episodes because yeah. you're mobile. Right now So I'm now mobile. you can go somewhere and do them. Exactly. And we didn't have to go to, like, a bar. You know? Right. <laughs> Even though we're in a pizzeria slash bar That's right. right now. Brooklyn Firefly. Yes. Third and Ovington in yes. uh, Bay Ridge. Caves uh, spot. Yes. That he's had for almost three years now. Yes, which is awesome. And we did, like, I, before I recorded, I did the Lamore reunion episode here, too. Right. Caves is, Caves is a nice guy like that. He yeah. lets us use his spots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's into giving back, you know? He is. He is. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know that this is going to be a couple of weeks this is going to air, but you just got done doing something really fucking cool. Yeah. We, uh, today is actually, we're doing this on uh, May 14th. This is the day that our second alphabet book, our hip hop alphabet book, part two, came out. Um, awesome. So we're we're in the midst of promoting and doing all that stuff now. Um, it's just kind of it's kind of amazing that we got to do a second one. You know, yeah. the first one did really well, like beyond our expectations. You know, yeah, and it sold out. That's great. Within like twelve months or so, and it was just gone. You There's know, a like, copy in my school. Yeah, well, they're in libraries. Yeah, and, like, schools have them. And so, awesome. which is incredible, you know, because we didn't think that would happen either. Like, right. It would reach, you know, like a library would have our book and things yeah. like that. And then, um, you know, so the guy who was the editor uh, with me for the first one went on to a different publishing company. So when the book sold out, he saw that it hadn't been reprinted. He was like, I want to get the rights to that book and right. I'm going to do a deal with you in caves to do a second one. And awesome. so the second one just came out, and you know now we're uh, you know we're we're full blown children's authors. <laughs> that's, that's, dude, that, that's so awesome, and it's like, and I'm wearing this dad brain shirt. You're talking right. about the Toby, Toby Toby's uh, dad pains, pains, and there's the DRI logo with the guy with the walker. And it's like we're getting old, but now it's it's so funny how you're like you just said you're legit you you write books for kids dude. yeah i know it's weird it's so weird it's, but it's, 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 it's so great though i think that's so awesome and, and what's cool is it wasn't a goal you know mm -hmm. it was something that we kind of fell into like I, i've done a few books you know i worked with caves at his tattoo shop that's only a few blocks from here yep and, made tattoo yeah and then so we you know we're both dads and you know, I came up with this idea based on a metal book that was kind of a similar idea that I found when my daughter was a year old. Really? There was a book called Emma's for Metal. It was an Australian book. So awesome. 
So it wasn't like straight up metal. Like A was for Angus Young, you know. Okay. They're not really metal. Maybe but, a little hard rock here and there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you get the point, you get right? get the gist, but of course. The, but the whole thing with it was that I found a book that I loved reading to my kid. Because I was interested in what it was about. Yeah. But I thought it was fun to pass it on to her. Right. right? So... I read that to her probably for like two years. And, you know, something we, we've been talking about a lot is like, there's all these great classic children's books, right? Yeah. Where the wild things are, Dr. Seuss books, like all that stuff. But like after a while, when you're a parent, you realize like by the 50th time you're reading it, like I just want to pull my friggin' hair out. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, and course. so then we were like, what other, you know, outside of metal, like what else could you do something like that for? And we're like, well, hip hop, like, because people who love the music, like love the minutia and they love talking about this rapper versus that rapper Absolutely. and this DJ versus that DJ and, you know, graffiti, is it legit art? Is it, you know, all of those questions that like parents have, right? Sure. But kids <laughs> just love it. You know, like they love the rhymes. They learn like iced tea, uh, he actually wrote a forward for the second book, and we couldn't get it into the book because we were really? printing by the time he showed uh, showed up with it. Uh, but he wrote it. DMC so we, did the first DMC one. DMC did the first one. Right. So we're like, Ice-T would be great because he's the eye page of the second book. Uh, so we're great. like, let's reach out to Ice-T. And it was Freddie Madball who got me in touch with Ice-T right. um, because they had toured together you know, yeah. with um, Body Count and Madball. Sure. And they became friends. And like... Ice T loves Madball. Like yeah. he loves hardcore. Yeah. So he loves AF. He loves Madball. Yeah, he he loves has that song on that Ice Pick record. Right. Yeah, what is it? Uh, is it real? Recognizes real? Maybe? I think so. Yeah. 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 And there's so, a million people on there, but Ice T. So somehow that song. he became this New York hardcore fan, right? Yeah. And so Freddie reached out to him for me and was like, "Look, my friend, they do these alphabet <coughs> books." Uh, you know, they want you to write a forward for them or do some kind of contribution. You're the I page yeah. in the second book. And like, it took a few weeks and he got back to me and like, I talked to him. He was on the set of like, you know, what is it, CSI that he does or some like special victims, one whatever of those, it is. One of the long orders. Yeah, one of the freaking long line, of you them. know, law and orders. And so he calls me from the set and I'm like, he's like, yeah, I mean, I'm shooting like law and order right now. He goes, but. He goes, you know, Freddie told me about the idea and I love it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he goes, I'm going to write it right now. So we get off the phone and he writes it like in the notes or in a text or something on his phone, like while he's sitting there between scenes. Really? And he sends me the photo. And I was like, are you cool with, if I edit it a little bit? Because do whatever you want. Like, yeah. And he was super cool and just totally got it because he's got a three-year-old kid. Yeah. And he's like, my daughter learns how to read through nursery rhymes. So he goes, it's hip-hop, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's the cadence and the rhymes. And then he goes, then there's the art with the graffiti, and it's colorful, and it's, you know... Sure. And, it's, and it's got this childlike bent to it, you yeah. know? And so he was all into it. And we, you know, like Ice-T, I'm on the phone with Ice-T. Like, when my awesome. phone rang and Ice-T was calling me, I'm like, holy fuck, it's Ice-T! Yeah, you had you that know? moment? You I had to let it ring, like, three times so I could see his name on my phone. Like, <laughs> and I uh, gain your composure a little bit. All right, then. All right. It's like, now don't go fanboying <laughs> exactly. on him. It's yeah. fucking Ice-T. Right, he's you a know? regular dude, but... Right, but not. Just, but not, right. You know, and... So, you know, like, it was the same thing with DMC. Like, Caves knows DMC, so right. it's a little different. They've done songs together and sure. all this stuff. But to me, he's just, like, this hero, you know? Yeah. And, and, like, I grew up a town over from Hollis, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I was telling him, 
which you know for me to be telling him something instead of just wanting to hear his stories and yeah. I'm like I was like yeah you know I went to school in Queens Village and he goes oh QV blah 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 and he's like telling me about like we're talking about our high schools and you know and so I was like you know I got introduced to hip hop more through the clothing and the style first before ever hearing the music you know okay. because the kids in my elementary school would wear Pumas with fat laces sure. and Adidas superstars and like pressed Lee jeans. Two-tone Lee jeans. Kazals yeah. and Kangles, right? Yeah. And I'm like, so you saw this like uniform like Absolutely. on all the kids from like, you know, South Jamaica and like all that stuff. And you're like, what is this, right? Yeah. And I vaguely remember that too when I was in, when I was So little. you saw that, sure. right? Sure. And, and so, but you're like, but why are they all wearing it? And it's like, you have to wear a specific shoe. Yeah. And it's, your jeans have to be like pressed a certain way. Uh-huh. And like the fat laces and, and all this stuff. And then like the... Like the iron-on Playboy bunnies on a sweatshirt, iron like on. with those sure. with those like lettering, you know, like yeah. with their like little rapper names or yes. their their breakdance crew, yeah. you know. And I'm telling DMC about this, and he's like having flashbacks, you know, of, yeah. like that time. And I'm like, yeah, they were like the younger brothers and sisters of like the Hollis crew guys, you know. Yeah. And like the older brothers and sisters were going to Russell's parties on Jamaica Avenue and Hempstead Turnpike, you know. Right. And these so were like nice. their little brothers and sisters yeah. and so he was bugging out on that a little bit oh right? hell yeah and so that was cool and you know then I remembered I was telling him you know I did a, a song with Jay because it was my idea to get Jam Master Jay to work with Doggy Dog right? right so we did that whole thing and you know so I got to be in the studio with Jay and we did this a hit record together yeah. you know and so that was cool and then we would leave the studio in Manhattan. He goes, where do you live? I was like, oh, I live in Queens Village. He's like, I'll drive you home, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, Jam Master Jay's driving me home. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, there's, there's nothing, nothing to see here, people. It was just <laughs> super surreal, you know? Absolutely. And we're like smoking blunts with him yeah. in the studio. And I'm like, this is just fucking crazy. Yeah, it's you know? so awesome. That you get, yeah, that, that's, that's an amazing thing that you have the opportunity to do that. And you just, you just kind of like threw me off because obviously I know you. And I know... Your history and, you know, in effect records and Roadrunner, but sometimes I forget because there's a lot on your resume. Like, a lot. So you just said, all right, DMC was my idea to have, to, to have Jay work with Doggy Dog. Yeah. And then it popped in my head. I'm like, and as you're talking, I'm like, Doggy Dog, Doggy Dog was signed to Roadrunner. Right. During All Borough Kings right. and maybe Play Games. So Play Games was the next one. Right. And, and then right. But we had the Warrant EP out first. Right. And so that was the like, okay, let's take New Jersey and New York and bring it to the whole Northeast. So right. let's do an EP. They didn't really have like enough songs yet for right. an album. Yeah. So we did the EP first and then Warrant had an album out called Doggy Dog. 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 So we were like, oh, let's do that. Yeah. That was like John and those guys. They were right. like, that would be funny, you know? Yeah. And so <clears throat> we do that. Then they get to the point, we do a full album. Right. You know? And so they do all Borough Kings and there's graffiti, like, you know, so... One of my uh, favorite records ever. I love that record. It's a fucking great record. And then, so good. And we got, you know, uh, Reese, graffiti artist Reese did the, uh, he did the, the crown, you know, yeah. on the cover. And he's like a major dude now, like yeah. in gallery stuff. And, really? You know, he's one of those guys who like, you know, started out on the, the buildings and the trains sure. and then turned into like a gallery, you know, awesome. artist, like the way Lee Quinones did and... Basquiat and all these yeah. dudes, right? There's, there's a lot of them out there. Just now. another generation. Yeah. And so, I, you know, that was me bringing worlds together. But yeah. 
it was also John Connor's world, you sure. know? So he and I were really good friends when he started working with us at the label because we liked the same stuff. We liked yeah. reggae and we liked hip-hop, but we liked hardcore and we liked metal, yeah. you know? He's a super nice guy, too. Super I had Dan Nastassi on here. Yeah, now. yeah. He was just blah, blah, blah. He was fun to talk to about all that stuff. The whole mucky pup. Doggy dog, dog, dog yeah. and the biohazard, like the and leeway. It's like leeway biohazard, mucky pup, doggy dog is like all incestuous with how they all like, like mucky pup brought all of these people out. Yeah, like it was, it was just a crazy story, and, and, and how everything and, panned out. And Billy from Biohazard is how the doggy dog demo got into the Roadrunner office. Because crazy. Biohazard did Urban Discipline on Roadrunner, right? And they went overseas. And he had the demo, like the, this one demo of theirs, and he gave it to someone over there who I was friendly with, and he was like, oh, let me send this to Howard. Yeah. And he goes, you know, they're in your backyard. I was like, I know what the band is, you know? Sure. And I was like, I've seen them at Bond Street Cafe and yeah. like all that stuff. And then we wound up, you know, I wound up signing them. Yeah. And, but it was Billy who got the demo into our hands. And then uh, the first really big tour that Doggy, did, Doggy Dog did overseas was Biohazard. And that's when they started to get really popular yeah. because Biohazard was drawing like three to five thousand people all over Europe and the UK. I mean, they were fucking huge. Yeah, and they were like, "We're taking Doggy Dog with us." That's great. And so they went over, and that's when the, the Doggy Dog thing started to pop off. Yeah, and it just like took on a life of its own, you know. And they couldn't get arrested here at the time, you know. They, yeah. In hardcore circles, they were fine. Yeah. But outside of that, nobody really knew who they were, right. and they're like. That they would get like molested in the airport in Europe, you know, and like yeah. they, you know, and they'd come over here, and it was like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> it's so you know? weird, yeah. And, and you know, they're like, we're from here, but like you know, twenty thousand people know who we are here, and like six hundred thousand people know who we it's are there. So bizarre, <laughs> but that's how it works. I mean, hardcore in Europe, right? It's like it's such a, it's such a different thing, and there's a different attitude towards it. There's a different yeah. mentality for it. Yeah, you know you know who broke it down awesome and I think you probably heard it was was Bill. Bill yeah. Bill. Yeah. He broke it down like like I've I've it worked the same way for him. You right. know and Vinny because they'd go to Europe and they were bigger than the big American rappers. Yeah. Because they would tour. Yeah. And so he's like it felt like we were a metal band, you know? Like yeah. like in the early days when an anthrax or a Metallica would go over there and, but there were kids waiting for them. Yeah. Like, who wanted to see them. Fuck yeah. And they're like, we'd go over there, and we're like, why do all these kids know who we are? Like, the, our records have never properly been released over there. Right. But they bought the shit out of the imports. Yeah. And so they knew all the lyrics, and yeah. they were like, Ill Bill, Necro, Vinny, Immortal Technique, you know? Like, yeah. this is even before Immortal Technique, you yeah. know? Yeah. And they would draw, they'd play like some club, draw like a thousand people, and then like uh, a Fat Joe would go over and tour and draw 200 people in the same club. So weird. Because it was a different network. Sure, absolutely. And they're like, the way that kids found out about us was this very organic thing. The way they found out about the bigger rappers was through a record company. Yeah. And they're like, sometimes over there, just because they were big here, the record company in Germany may not give a shit. Right. And like not do anything for them. So you never hear about them. Exactly. They're like, Bill, it went right to kids, you know? And they bought their records over there from here. Yeah. And spent like a fortune on them. Yeah. And became obsessed with these, you know, these New York underground rappers. Yeah. And he was also saying, he was also, like, that's that's all valid. And he was also just saying that, like, here, our priorities totally different. are completely different. Like over there, he's like, you also have to put it into perspective. I'm probably going to butcher, I'm paraphrasing what he said. I don't remember exactly word for word, but 
basically like you take like you know New Jersey is the size of like Germany or yeah. whatever you know the, the UK exactly Germany's big but there are multiple cities in Germany right. that you can hit like if you don't try don't hit Germany right like let's work on Berlin first let's sure. work on this this city first like yeah. let's get five cities yeah you know and when you first go over there that's really all you can play, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and this is, I'm, we're talking about the 80s, yeah. you know, and, and the 90s. It was a different thing. Sure. So there were, you couldn't just go play 15 markets in Germany, you know? You right. could play five. Yeah. And so you would, but they're the media markets. Berlin is the New York, you know? So all sure. the media is there. The news is there. The newspapers are there. Yeah. The music, you know, um, industry is there. So you can, you know, create this like big wave of enthusiasm yeah. with one or, you know, a handful of cities mm-hmm. and it worked for hardcore like that. And so, you know, I'm doing this book with Pete and Lou from Sick of It All and they were, um, you, did you know that? No. Oh, okay. So um, I just, you just piqued my interest even more. Yeah, so, right? No, so, I had no idea. So the next thing that I'm working on, we've been working on it for months already. Is I'm doing a biography on Pete and Lou, like the the Kohler brothers. Really? And so we've been getting deep into this phenomenon, you know, of hardcore in oh, Europe. God, that's fucking rude. They're my favorite band. Yeah, Everyone so, knows that. So yeah. you're, you're gonna love this. Yeah, yeah. Just, well, I'm, I'm all in. There's such great stories and stuff, and, and they're hysterical, which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know about them. That they're really funny. I, yeah. So, I don't know Pete, but I know Lou. Pete's funny too. He's just quieter. Yeah. You know, but Lou's funny. Craig and Armand are hysterical. Oh, oh Craig. So <laughs> you know. Yeah. So you, you have all that, but. You know, so I interviewed Mark from MAD, who brings over all the hardcore yep. bands to Europe, and yep. he's the one who brought them over. So AF was like the first New York hardcore band to go over there. Yeah. But at the time they went, they played like basically just squats, you know, and they would, you know, stay in a squat or a hostel at night, go on to the next city, whatever. And so they were real like, you know, pioneers. Sure. But Sick of It All went next. And benefited from what AF Absolutely. had laid out. Yeah. And so sick of it all. They also did the same kind of thing. Like in certain cities, like all there was to play was a squat. Yeah. But the squats were very sophisticated. Like they'd have like oh, yeah, sophisticated a whole place squats, yeah. with a stage and a PA, and then you could sleep upstairs. And you know, yeah. so it was like youth hostel style. You know. That's awesome. Though. And they'd go play to like it would be everybody from Cluster Punks to like youth crew kids. You know, and yeah. they'd all be at the same show whereas here those shows were separate all the time right so like the the crusty punk bands would play their own shows and the youth crew is its own thing and then like the angrier new york hardcore stuff the sick of it all killing time breakdown like all that kind of stuff was something else yeah and it it was weird how in america didn't merge you know until a little later when the scene got smaller again yeah and they all had to play together like to survive yeah but it was like a totally different, you know, separation of church and state kind of thing yeah. going on, but not over there. Over there, it was like, huh. no, we're the kids who like punk, hardcore, some metal, you know, blah, blah, blah. We all go to the same shows. Yeah. And so if you go over there and you show that you give a shit about those kids and on top of being great, yeah. you know, great bands, then they really embrace you, you sure. know? And you know, so they would hang out with those kids and like, oh, my uncle has a restaurant. They would take them there and they would go. Whereas some other bands would be like, man, we're just going to hang out backstage. And so right. you immerse yourself in the culture. 
yeah. right, of these places. And they wanted that. You know, they're like, we're from Queens. Like, this is the only way we're ever going to see this shit. Yeah. You know, oh, without a doubt. And travel the world mm-hmm. and, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, where, like, Roger Moret's book was about, like, you know, Cuban immigrant and, like, comes over here and, like, you know, abusive family stuff. And he has to find, like, a new world for himself to, like, you know... To, to sort of survive and like be interested in something and yeah. make music. Pete and Lou's books like this American dream kind of thing. Yeah. You know, where it's like I can't they, wait. They were just relentless. Like we were we will not have day jobs. Right. You know? Like we're gonna play hardcore. That's our passion, that's what we love. And like quit school and jobs like because they had a demo out. Yeah. You know? Which is fucking batching. That's crazy like how it's awesome. Yeah. But that they would take that leap of faith, right, and say that's like that's what we're gonna do. Like we're gonna bank on this somehow. You know? Somehow we that's, don't know how to tour. We, we don't know what. We don't know how to put records out. Yeah, but we'll figure it out. And we're fucking doing this. But for this office. is what we'll do. And it's, and that's, and it's balls. And, and it, I fucking I respect that so much, man. And it's thirty three years later. It's fucking crazy. You know, they had the band before. I mean, thirty three. Yeah, thirty three years of the band. But they right. put records out starting a couple of years later with right. the Revelation comps and then the... Uh, this first 7-inch. And then we signed them to In Effect in 88 and the record came out in 99. Now, in 89. I, now, in 89. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably my favorite New York hardcore record. It, it, it goes back and forth that maybe an AF record. It depends on my mood. But... I don't remember what exactly what we spoke about on the first time that you were on the yeah, show. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> go back. I, I'll probably just for shits and grins go back and listen to it because we might repeat ourselves. Yeah. Who knows? Who cares? But how did you get involved? Because it's an indirect good segue. <clears throat> how did you get involved with In Effect Records? So I, um, you know, early on, I was basically like roading for nuclear assault. Right, so okay. this was in like '85, '86, um, and I would just go around with them. I would go to the Lamore shows, and like every band that like either whether they're unsigned or just like they're newly signed, they need help, like sure. doing things, right? Sure. So I was re- young. I was like a kid. I was like 16, 17, whatever. I was like, I'll, do, you know, like I could be on the guest list if I help you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. carry gear or whatever the fuck. Sure. I'm like write up your set list because you don't feel like doing it. Or okay. Whatever it is. So I'd work with them. So then fast forward. Um, they How do you know them? How do you know so those guys? We were Anthrax fans originally, like okay. you know, and I had interviewed them for my fanzine like years earlier. Yeah. Um, we were all Queens guys, you yeah, know? Yeah. So we, we would meet at, like, the hardcore matinees and stuff like that. Oh, Danny Loker. Like, right. And we realized we lived in Queens. And part of it was that I was the guy with the car. So, all right. you know, so I have, <laughs> there a, it is. I have a January birthday. So okay. I was, like, the first guy with the license. Oh, that's awesome. And so <laughs> so I would, like, pick Danny and John up and we'd go to CB's. And, like, or, you know, I would take them to the Lemore show and, like, go to Soundcheck with them. And that's kind of how this all okay. happened, right? All right. So then they're on combat, you know, right. and they put out Game Over, mm-hmm. and they're sort of not happy with the label. Okay. And I wind up going to a meeting with them at the label, and they're basically bitching and complaining about the label not paying as much attention to them as some of the other bands on combat. Right. So it was either Danny or John went to the president of the label. I was in the meeting. Like, I thought I was just the fucking driving them. And they're yeah. like, come sit with us, like, in the meeting. You know, and I'm sitting there with, like, the 
president of the label. <laughs> yeah. You know, which for me at 16 was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. You know? How did I even get like, here? How did this happen? Yeah. And they're like, you should hire this guy. Like, fire the guy who's doing marketing and hire him. The guy's like, uh, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 16. Oh, he goes, shit. Right? He's like, I'm not going to be responsible for you quitting high school to come work here. You yeah. Know? Uh-huh. So when you're done, hit me up. Awesome. I'm like, okay. And okay. so I, you know, I kind of like put it in the memory bank and sure. left it there. So then I went to college for a year and I'm just like amassing debt, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm in that like, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I know, you know, the, the, the textbook says I should be in college. Right. But I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. Like, cause right. I know what I want to do. I want to be involved in the music business somehow. But this has nothing to do with it. And now I'm in debt from student loans. Right? Uh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so, I'm, I'm going to call that guy. Yeah. You know? I, I think I need to make a phone call. So in about three weeks, I actually got hired as a salesperson for the distributor was called Important. And that was the biggest yeah. indie distributor for like anything aggressive, you know, right. um, that there was. So he's like, I'll, I'll, you could be a salesman here. And I'm like, cool, my foot's in the door. This is amazing. I'm going to get free promos. Nice. Right? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and so, you know, but they had combat, right? So there was, and they had previously had combat course. So yes. they had Agnostic Front, Crumb Suckers, Ludacrist, uh, uh, GBH, Circle Jerks, like a few other bands. I think there was an Exploited record that came out okay. of combat course. So, you know, I was like, I'm happier than a pig and shit. This is amazing. Yeah. But I didn't really want to be a salesman. Right. And so I was like, I did just enough to keep the job. You know? Okay. Like, I was like, I, it wasn't that You don't good. go above and beyond. You give them just yeah. enough. I'll keep the job. Right. I'm the, like, low-paid young guy. I get it. Whatever. And then you're, you're surrounded by, like, you know, these guys are real, like, salesmen. You right. know? And so, but they were great. Like, you know, we would just get high at lunch. Like, yeah. you know, it was it was fun, you know. Yeah. And it was 10 minutes from my house because I lived in, Beautiful. it was in Hollis. I live in Queens Village. It's like, I rolled out of bed and went to work. Beautiful. So, as I'm doing the salesperson thing, the guy who was the head of purchasing named Alan Becker, who's still within that system, he's still doing what he did. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'd start talking to him, like, how come you guys don't pay attention to these hardcore bands, you know? Like, you sink all this money into these death metal bands, yeah. and you have a, a band like Agnostic Front that draws more than them, sells more records than them, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's maybe why they didn't sink any money into them, is because they sold more without the marketing. Yeah. Because they had established themselves already. Sure. But they're, you know, they're dumping money into to death metal bands, and it was sort of like very hit or miss. Yeah. Um... And I'm like, how come you don't pay attention to these hardcore bands? Because important distributed, uh, Discord, SST, Revelation, wow. like all of these things. And I'm like, we sell like a lot of these records, but you know, these labels don't really market at all. You know, right. they just kind of put the records out and expect through like the fanzines and stuff, like people know that this band has a new record out, right? Yeah. And so we kept having this conversation. And then it came to be where we're like, why don't we start a new label like within the system here, like for hardcore bands? Yeah. And like we know what to do. Like I know what to do. I come from this scene, from this world. And he's like, that's a really good idea. And then you know it sits there for a while and whatever. And then they brought it up to me again. You know, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to hear about this idea ever again. Yeah. And so that was in effect. And then. We're like, we need another person. And that's when Steve Martin, who was still in Agnostic Front at the time, he became a part of the picture. Okay. And so it was the two of us. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it it was the two of us because he was a journalist. So he knew, like, the press world. 
and so he knew everything from fanzines to like Rolling Stone, you know. Yeah. And and at the time, Spin was a big deal, right? Yeah, sure. And so we would like, you know, we just decided let's start this label. And so the first day of it, in effect, was amazing. It was like, you know, we put out the Bad Brains Rorca set on CD for the first time. It had never been on CD. Crazy. Because um, important distributed Roar. Gotcha. So, so we approached the, the head of Roar. and like, can we put this out on CD? Because by 87, hardcore started, like, CD started to matter enough that you would put out hardcore on CD also. Right. Right, Because which is amazing, because CDs are basically gone now, right? Oh, yeah. But 87 was like the moment, you know, where CDs were a big enough deal where we're like, oh, um, you know, Youth of Today is going to come out on CD, you know, and we things like that. We're going to break down the walls on CD, right. like, that's all right. Right, so it was like, we could sign these bands and actually put out CDs. It doesn't have to be cassette and vinyl only anymore. Right. And so we had uh, the, the, the Bad Brains CD, we signed Prom for their second album. Because like Diffa? No. no before Primitive Origins. So, no, no. That was Force the first Fed. one. So Force Fed. So Primitive Origins had been out, but only overseas. Okay. And then Force Fed was out on a UK label right. only. Really? So, okay. And we distributed the import. So we're like, why don't we sign them for America and like put out that record? Like, this album is awesome. Yeah. You know, so we put out Force Fed. And then... Agnostic Front. I gotta revisit that record. I haven't listened oh, to that so, in years. So fucking good. Yeah, no, like, I've, I've, that was like the real like industrial meets metal yeah. kind of thing. Like yeah. the, the bands that they were like peers of at that time were like the really noisy, yeah. fucked up bands. You yeah, know? and like they weren't even recognized in the metal world yet. You know? Yeah, no, not at all. But our thing was like metal kids love this band. Yeah, like, they don't even know who they are. Yeah, and so. <clears throat> so then Epic signed them like as a result of what we I think got done with them. Right, and. AF was working on the Live at CBGB's album, which was recorded in 88, but the idea was that it was actually going to maybe come out on combat, and I'm like, fuck that, like, let's launch the label with this AF Live at CBGB's album, and so I was at the the company already in 88, so I took over, like, the recording of the, that show, you know, and, um, and we made Live at CBGB, so the first day were those three albums. And so we wanted to come out with more than one thing to prove we were legit. You yeah. Know? Which but, is probably my favorite live record ever. Oh, so it's greatest hits and it sounds great. It's fucking and incredible. The energy's amazing. Day, yeah. You know? And so then now I have to start signing bands. Like I have to have, actually sign bands now. Yeah. So right around the same time, I think the first band I did was Sick of It All. So that was the first band I like signed something. Right? Really? And then... We did 24-7 Spies. Okay. And Killing Time, who were raw deal yes. at the time. And that was, you know, what we were doing. And then one day Roger walks in with this cassette and he's like, you got to hear this. It's my little brother. Oh, like singing. Shit. And it was Roger on bass, Will on drums, and Stigma playing guitar. And, and like a 12-year-old Freddie Mabel. And a 12-year-old Freddie. That's <laughs> so and, crazy. And, and it sounded like United Blood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you were like, "Holy fuck!" Like, I was like, "Can I put this out?" And he's like, "Yeah, you want to put it out?" I was like, "Yeah, we'll do a seven inch." Yeah. So we did the Manball seven inch. Ball destruction. Yeah. And then you know later on we did Limbo Maniacs, and then I signed Ludacrist, and so we start making the Ludacrist album, and it just took on a life of its own. It was going in a different direction, you know, and so. We're like, we knew that the band had issues because they were called Ludacrist and retailers didn't like their names, the whole Christian right now. Oh, of course. So we're like, why don't you just be a new band? Because this album sounds like a different band. Yeah. It's like when Typo did fucking Bloody Kisses, right? Oh, and you yeah. were like, this, they could have been a different band, actually. Sure. You know, because it was so different. 
Yeah. That's what <coughs> Ludacris did. Yeah. And like you heard this album, it was Here Comes Trouble. So we're like, why don't you just be a different band? Like, just start fresh. Same guys, this record, but let's market you as a whole new band. Scatterbrain. So it became Scatterbrain. Yeah. And we had huge success with that. You yeah. That's nice huge. That fucking Don't Call Me Dude my fucking video. I'm in the video. I got dropped, Are you? I got dropped off the Empire State Building by Tommy Christ. Really? Yeah, yeah. I haven't, but I remember because back in the day when there was Headbangers Ball. Right. I would watch, I would, I would stay up till three in the morning and watch Headbangers Ball as a kid. And that video for a certain amount of time every week was Ugh. all over. It was so much fun to make. Too. I got to rewatch it because I didn't know you at the time. Last time I seen that, yeah. I couldn't tell you what the last time well, I watched Well, I have video. long hair too, so it's like some people don't know it's me. That's awesome. <laughs> So I'm the guy who sends Tommy Christ over the edge by saying what's up dude to him <laughs> oh, that's and that's awesome. when he starts freaking out and then towards the end he climbs the Empire State Building and he's <laughs> holding me like a little me in his hand really? and then he drops me off the Empire State Building oh that's amazing I have to, so, I'm gonna watch that later <laughs> yeah you know, it, was, it was it was like a crazy you know yeah. thing but like it's amazing what in effect means to people you know like I'm still shocked by it um, and it's all over the world. Yeah, you know? same here. It's like, I, I want to hear about it effect stuff. And like, then there's the Roll Runner stuff, right, which right. is an old other fucking next. deal. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to Europe and like, oh my God, like, in effect's my favorite label and like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I bought everything. Well, you, well I mean, there's landmark records that are out on fucking, that came out on in effect, well, man. We were, we were only around for five years. I know. You know? Which is crazy. You fucking came in and fucking punched people in the mouth and bounced. Well, that was but, it. Like, we were like, we know what's going on in this scene right now. Right. And, and at that time, around the world, people wanted to hear New York hardcore. Right. Not just hardcore, not just punk. They wanted New York hardcore. Right. Because like Mark from MAD, like we were saying, that I interviewed Mark, him for Nick, the... Nick, 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 yeah, yeah. Nickel? Nickel or Nickel whatever. Nickel I don't even know if that's his real last name. Me neither. There's always been Mark I'm friends M- with him. I actually yeah. spoke to him. There's always time. been Mark MAD to me. There you so, go. So, Man, tour booking. Yeah, but he would be like, uh, you know, he goes, what happened was, like when a band like Sick of It All went over there. Right. He goes, because it was so New York... It was also very Berlin because okay. the people who grew up there had the same kind of the city life and you came from suburbs to go into the city to go to shows and that's where the record stores were and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's like it was a very similar thing. Yeah. And the things that they talked about were the things that those kids cared about too. Sure. He goes, so everybody related to New York hardcore more than like the West Coast, you know, Epitaph stuff or the Fat Records stuff. To them, that was like shiny, happy punk. Yeah. You know? Well, Fat Records, yeah. Especially. especially. Epitaph, you know, had like a a little bit more of an edge and they were around a lot longer. Yeah. But, you know, there's amazing records on both. Sure. But they didn't relate to that sound the same way. Right. Or the people, you know, and like what they were about and like, you know, these guys came in wearing Carhartt and like, you know, spoke about like, you know, Difficulties of just being this sort of like blue collar kid, right? You know, sure. like my f- f- parents didn't have a lot of money, blah blah blah. They're like the Berlin kids felt the same way. They're sure. like that was our life. Yeah, and so and then it just spread like all over Europe and the UK and then South America. Same thing. Like these poor kids down there, and they related to the street level stuff. Yeah, that and the things that they were talking about, AF was talking about, and and sick of it all was talking about. And they just got it, you know. Yeah. Then the youth crew thing happened, right? And it, that was a whole other movement, you know. Right. And they loved it because it was New York hardcore, but it was different. It was different, like because what they were talking about had this 
positive message and they're like but sure angry great. music and right. like, like you did today like angry fucking angry hard listen and you did today is somewhere between negative approach and AF victim and pain without a doubt that's the sound sure right? and then even though they were like that's a great analogy we don't drink fuck you and right. that kind of stuff uh, be a vegetarian or like positive or like but it was like they were gonna. They were pissed off about telling you to be positive. <laughs> exactly, which is fucking brilliant. I love it. So it was like such a great, you yeah. know, it was a great thing. But, but you know, and the stuff was taking off everywhere. And then even even the West Coast, like it took a while, like for the bands to get there. But when they did, there were kids waiting for them there. You know, because the Revelation connection helped some of those bands a lot, especially Sick of It All, because right. they were like. There was probably 10,000 kids that would buy anything on Revelation. Sure. So whether it was a straight-edge record or it was Burn or it was Quicksand, they're sick of it all. Yeah. And so they benefited from that. But then they're like, but that's not our world so right. much. People thought Sick of It All was a straight-edge band, which they kind of are because they're not drinkers and right. whatever. But they're like, we're not a straight-edge band, right. you know? Yeah. That we're not like Youth of Today or Bold or yeah. any of that. That's not us. Right. Like, we're fucking pissed off at everything we're just and everyone. mad. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking pissed off. So that was, you know, that was, it was just an interesting time because all this stuff came up at once, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you like the more positive thing, you had something. If you like sure. the really angry shit, you had something. There's so much. There's yeah. so much. I love all that shit, though. All that shit. Like, all that Youth of Today stuff, I love. That bold stuff, I love. All that shit, I love. And then there's the sick of it all. And there's, like, negative approach. Right. All this is fucking negative. Like, all that shit. I love I mean, all New York that Hardcore shit. is so heavily influenced by negative approach. Oh, it's ridiculous. And, like, you know, people... People forget, like, Victim in Pain was a product of negative approach in New York. Yeah. You know? Like, it was the New York version of that angry type of hardcore. Fuck yeah. You know? Absolutely. And so it was the New York, you know, version. And then, you know, listen, all the early New York bands will say, look, the Bad Brains moved here. Right. We saw them, and we were like, we'll never be as good as them. Right. But let's start a band. Sure. You know? And that's where AF came from. And, like, all those bands started, you yeah. know? Um, you know, Cause for Alarm is another band with that sound. Like that seven inch yeah. is fucking untouchable. Of course. You know? Unbelievable. Blueprint, you know, yeah. of the sound of New York hardcore. Yeah. Along with United Blood and, and Victim in Pain, right? Yeah. Uh, the mob had a big part of that. Right? Fuck yeah. Urban Waste. All those know? old A7 bands. Right. All Reagan that. Youth. Reagan Youth. Another one. That was yeah. the first hardcore band I ever saw. Was, really? Was Reagan Youth. Yeah, it's fine. All those bands you just mentioned, I don't know if you remember, but I did like a f- five episodes in a row of like early, early, yeah. like A7 bands. Sure, sure. Was John Cri- uh, uh, Paul Cripple, I had right. John Watson, I had Ron Kabula, I had Ralphie G. It's a, it's a all good, these people that we just named. This is a good Paul Cripple story. This is great. Oh, Paul. So, <laughs> so, so in my in my daughter's school, right? Yeah. Like, Paul Cripple's always very interesting to wait, see. Wait, so, so a couple of years ago, I go <laughs> yeah. into the first day of school with my daughter, right? In uh-huh. elementary school. And there's a guy standing there, and he's wearing a GBH shirt. <laughs> and I'm like, I've never seen... A dad or a mom like who liked punk or hardcore right. in my daughter's class ever. Yeah. You know? So I was like, I gotta go talk to this guy, right? Uh-huh. So I go talk to him, and he's like, Yeah, you know, they just played a week ago. I was like, No, I was there, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. And he's like, You were there? And I was like, Yeah, I love GBH. I've seen GBH like ten times. Yeah. You know? And he's like, Yeah. And he introduces me to his wife. His wife's name is Bianca, and her son is in my daughter's class. Okay. So it's Bianca Hunter. 
she was married to Paul Cripple. Oh, boy. Right? Uh-huh. So, married to Paul Cripple. Um, Harvey Keitel wow. officiated the wedding. Really? The Bad Brains are at the wedding. I think Jimmy Gestapo is at the wedding. So she knows all these people that, that I know, that's, too. That's fucking crazy. And this is in my daughter's elementary school classroom, right? That's some surreal so shit, I'm too. like, holy shit. But wait, it goes further. <laughs> so then the dad with the GBH shirt uh-huh. was like the brother in E.T. Right? Really? So he's the brother in E.T., He's like, who's a child actor. Yeah. And she, and this is what great. The fuck? Wait, okay. this is the craziest part of all. This is batshit accidents. You, you know, like in Bad Lieutenant, when he pulls over the two girls. Yes. The, the blowjob. Yeah. She's the one giving the blowjob. Really? <laughs> Dude. Like, through, like out the car window. Yes. So that's her. Really? So she's the mother of a child in my Your daughter's... daughter's and, and it all started with me seeing a GBH shirt. Right? That's so crazy. And she's showing me photos of her wedding, you know, with her and Harvey Keitel and Paul <laughs> Cripple and, like, Reagan Youth is there. And the what a there. weird fucking and I'm like, this batch of people. crazy. Yeah, that's you know? nuts. And so just real <laughs> crazy small world shit, you know? That's some, yeah, that's some small world shit for real. I'm like... Wow. So, I, but then I couldn't stop from going back to like, but you're the one who gave that blowjob and fucking bad lieutenant. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Show me how you suck a cop. Yo, he was such a scumbag. Such a scumbag. Fucking Kaitel. You know, and like, but they had this whole relationship. It's probably how she got in the movie. You know, they, like he knew her already. Yeah. You know? And I was like, this is too much. <laughs> oh, my God. I was sitting there. It's just, it's just picturing all those people in one room. It's just nuts. The Bad Brains, Jimmy G, Paul Cripple, Harvey Keitel, and the girl giving the blowjob. And the this, they had to leave people out. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure. There's people that were there that, like, are, like, you know, other holy shit people. Yeah. And, like, she just didn't mention it. You know? Oh, and yeah. And I don't know that they were there. But, like, <laughs> you know, it stopped right there, you know? And I'm like, oh, It didn't no. have to go any further. I'm like, you, that was you? You know? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, that was me. That's awesome. I'm like, And she was, like, proud of it. You know, like, she didn't even... Like, yeah, it's a movie. What the fuck? Yeah, like, fun. she didn't do the, like, I was the one. Like, no. She's like, oh, yeah, I was the one that was she, she just... Spewing it out in the classroom. Oh my you know? god! My wife is like, you know, like, where'd you go? You know? And I'm like, oh, I just heard some shit. <laughs> That's I was like, wait till I tell you. But you know, she's awesome. like, That's her. You yeah. know, <laughs> she was the one who did that in the movie. I was yeah. like, yeah. I don't fucking know. That's great. So that Fuck was the whole cripple stories. Yeah. All you had to do is mention him, and I'm like, oh, I got a story. Oh yeah, there's stories. There's fucking oh, stories. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Shit. All right. So it's all right. So so in effect is for five years. Yeah. And then you wind up becoming. What was your title in 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 Roadrunner? So basically, in effect, got the whole company, that whole important relativity combat. In effect, it all got bought by Sony. So uh, okay. Sony bought the whole company, like like my last year that I was there. Gotcha. So we were totally independent until then. Sony buys the whole company, and then, you know, they fire, like, all of us. Like, we're gone, you know? Bastards. So, Corporate scumbags. So, yeah, so the, 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 I'm the head of in effect, gone. Head of combat, gone. You know, like, we're all losing our jobs. So, ah, so a couple months later, you know, I'm like, what do I do next? You know, like, I, I barely remembered I was in the music business, you know? Cause, yeah. Like, it was my first, like, gig, you know? And so, I get a call from Case Wessels, who's the owner of Roadrunner. 
and it was through Monty Connor, and you know, like, hey, you know, I saw what you did with that label over there, which they were distributed by Important, also Roadrunner was. Okay. So like, they saw everything we did, sure. and we were out selling their records, and you know, all that stuff. And so, you know, how do you feel about coming over and doing the same kind of thing here? I'm like, cool. And I was like, do you want like another imprint? You know, like its own thing? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'll tell you something. What you guys do is, it's all aggressive shit. You know, they had Sepultura and Obituary and like that kind of yeah. stuff. I was like, you know, those bands play shows together now. You know, now yeah. it's, it's uh, what was it, 1992. I'm like, what a great fucking year for Yeah, music. and I'm like, all these bands play together now. Let's not do a separate imprint. Let's do it all on Roadrunner. You know, and the beauty of Roadrunner is it's an international company. So you had the label set up in New York, you had people in California, but you had England, Germany, Holland, France, Brazil, because Sepultura needed their own like thing over there. They weren't living here yet, you know. Yeah. So, like, when you released a record, it was released everywhere in the world on a Monday and a Tuesday, because Tuesday is how. In America, where the day that records came out, and Monday was everywhere else in the world. Really? So between Monday and Tuesday, a record came out everywhere. And I didn't know and, that either. And Case had control of the whole thing. So it wasn't like a major label, like we were talking about with the hip hop stuff, where it was signed here, then like the German label of whatever major label, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll put it out. But they put it out and they don't give a shit, right. and they don't put any energy into it. Right. And so nobody knows it's out. Right. And the real fans bought the imports mm -hmm. anyway. Sure. So it's too late, you know? Yeah. And But there, it was completely controlled. And the records came out in every territory in the world within two days. So huh. it was great. Yeah, and, that's awesome. And that was such a big feature because we had so many bands at Roadrunner that took off overseas first, you know? Yeah. Or only overseas, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that was a great system, you know, to be in because when you sign something... You know, maybe it doesn't work in America so fast, and maybe it just starts happening in Germany, or Holland latches onto it, or the UK latches onto it, you know? And so it was great. So again, we saw Madball again, and then Shelter, VOD, you know, all yeah. that stuff, and, ah. you know, Doggy Dog, uh, Black Train Jack, you know, and more, you know? But, but, you know, Doggy Dog was the big breakthrough that we had. Where it was like, again, these skater kids from New Jersey, right? Like, cool little band, yeah. you know? Uh, demo winds up in, the, in our system somehow through Billy. Yeah. And then I went to see him, and I was like, I love him. You know? yeah. I was like, I love this band. Like, these guys are great. Great. And I love the guys, which was the other Super thing. Super fucking I was nice like, guys. and we saw we were very like-minded in how we saw things. Uh, like, you know, we'll do the EP. And the EP was cool. They actually went over to the UK on the EP, and they opened 11 shows for the Bad Brains. Um, okay. So they did just a UK tour with Bad Brains, Doggy Dog. And so that was a nice little break, because then when we did the album and they were going to you know, maybe go out with Biohazard or whatever, the promoters knew who they were now. Yeah. So they were like, oh, those guys were good, and they were really cool guys, because those guys would just drink with everybody. Oh, sure. You know, so, like, basically the promoters were like, yeah, I stayed out the fucking 7 in the morning with those guys drinking, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to have them back. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And so then, you know, they went and they toured with, you know, with Biohazard. And Biohazard was on Roadrunner. And so I was not just an A&R guy, but I was also uh, a product manager. So I, I worked with other bands that I didn't sign. So I was a product manager for Urban Discipline. So I wrote the marketing plan, you know, for Urban Discipline. I wrote the marketing plan for Bloody Kisses. 
Yeah. And that was an interesting one because it was so different. Yeah. You know? And the expectations for the album were so much higher. Fuck yeah. And so I'll never forget, you know, on Bloody Kisses, you know, on the CD itself, there's that green, like, kiss, like the little lip yes, marks, the right? Lips. Yeah. So I'm the marketing guy for them. And we're like, we're trying to make a big splash. Like, we think this record's going to be huge. Well, that record was fucking huge. Right. So they come, they come to the office and they're like, here's the cover. And it's the kiss, the, the, the lipstick. The That's the cover. They want that as the cover. And so I'm like, you sure you want this as a, as a cover, you know? Yeah. And they're like, well, like, you have a better idea? Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, I think I have a better idea. I think idea. I might have a couple, two, um, three better ideas. I was like, so, I was like, <laughs> and I tried to tell them, I was like, your album is so fucking good, this isn't the cover. Like, right. for this quality, an album, this isn't your cover. Right. Like, this is some fucking thing you came up with yeah. you think it's cute you yeah. know? that's the CD itself right so we're like that'll be the CD label cool yeah. so then we wound up uh, and you know Peter loved the ladies and so we're like let's get like these two really gothy chicks let's do a photo shoot you know and like get them like very vampire goth you know whatever and so we hired this photographer and he did the shoot one of those girls on the covers is, is his wife or girlfriend okay and then there's this other sort of like gothy model friend of hers right and so they did the shoot and then we saw those images and they were like there's our you know there's our cover that one right there you know? and so everybody circled it on the like little you know on the, on the sheet uh-huh. and like there's the cover yeah and so that's how that became the cover but like you know, and I'm like still kind of new over there. I'm like, all right, and I knew Pete from Carnivore, and like all this. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to tell Pete like he's making a huge mistake. That's yeah. the first conversation we're going to have. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like this cover sucks. You know, yeah. And like you know, you have to be kind of tactful about it. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, you can't, this album is too good, man. And like he appreciated that. That I was like, I think your album is so great. Yeah. That this doesn't live up to it right. as a cover, right? Like we got to do better. Yeah, you know? I can see it. You, you, you can't not respect that. Yeah. So he got he got that, you know. And it sure. took them a minute, but then because they didn't want to hear anything from the label, right. like they didn't want to hear anything from the label. He'd been on the label for years already. Don't right. forget, sure. it was Carnivore, the previous type yeah. of stuff, and uh, and so he they don't want to talk to the label, you know. No. And they certainly don't want the label telling them like, yeah, I don't really agree with you. Right, you know. You fuck so yourself. this is my first order of business with like you know with, with typo. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I did that. Um, I helped uh, Monty connect with uh, Reese Fulber to produce Fear Factory. Okay. So the first album was very death metal, you know. Yes. And then the second album, you know, I was talking to Dino. Like the I second met, album is Demanufacture. No, was uh, Demanufacture. Dem- yeah, Demanufacture. So, so I'm like talking to Dino. I met Dino and. We had, like, mutual friends, and we liked some of the same bands or whatever. And he's telling me, he goes, you know, I really wish I could incorporate a band like The Prodigy into Fear Factory. And this is when Prodigy was an instrumental band. It was before they got Keith, the singer, right. who passed away. It was, okay. like, before that. Wow. It was just, okay. like, super high BPM techno. But it was, like, dark, you know? Yeah. And he goes, I wish we could incorporate that into Fear Factory. I'm like, well, well why aren't you? You know? Yeah. And so... You know, he was, like, afraid of the, like, six kids on the internet that would bitch about it or on a, <laughs> on a message board. I'm like, dude, I was like, you know how many people have never heard your band? Yeah. You know, compared to the, the 30,000 maybe who bought the first album? Right. I was like, you got to, like, if that's where you're at, that's what you have to do. Right. And so he was a big Frontline Assembly fan. And I'm the product manager for Frontline Assembly, too. They were on Roadrunner. Fuck. And so I talked to Reese. Reese loves metal. Right. 
And I'm like, listen, I want you to hear something. This guy said, I want to incorporate like super aggressive techno somehow into the sound of the band, like industrial and techno and whatever. And he loved them. Like he fell in love with the band. And then Dino fell in love with him. Yeah. And they, he became their producer. Huh. And he did their next several albums. <coughs> so we were like, well, how do we introduce this? Right? Yeah. So before... Re, uh, before uh, demanufacture, we're like let's just do an EP, so it'll come off like a remix EP, right? Okay. And we did that "Fear Is the Mind Killer" EP. Okay. So that was all Reese's remixes of Fear Factory songs that were on the first album. Gotcha. And P it sold as much as their first album. That's crazy. So we That's were awesome. It was an experiment, really. Yeah. And then we were like, you know, people seem to really like that sound of yours, you know, with like the programming and the, you know. And the band, and so then they put out, you know, Demanufacture, and that's the album. That's, that's what it the, sounds like. Yeah, and it's huge. It blows the oh, fuck yeah! Right? And then the next couple of albums, Reese does with them as well. Yeah, and Reese now he does like that band Youth Code. Okay, like, he, he's their producer. You know, he's done other bands that were like, we want to kind of do what Fear Factory does. You yeah. know, like, like but more industrial, like you know, more than them, like more dancey beat stuff, uh -huh. but heavy. You know, sure, and angry. And so he, like, is, like, the guru for, like, that band Youth Code, you know? Huh. Um, so, like, that was just another great time, like, you know, for underground music, you know? Yeah. Sepultura is blowing up. Uh, another band that loved New York hardcore, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, what was that tour? I mean, New Titans on the Block. New Titans on the Block. Right. I was sick of it all. Sepultura, Sepultura, Sacred Reich, and Napalm Death. That's just crazy. It was like 90? That was maybe? 90, I think. 1991. Maybe yeah. 91. Okay. And Napalm Death and Sick of It All shared a bus. So, huh. and, they, and they were like really like sick of it all. I was like, God, what if they're dicks? Like, because we've never shared a bus or a vehicle right. with some band we didn't really know. They're like, we know them from afar. We know their music. Yeah. But we don't know them. Right. And like, we're going to live with them for like a month, you yeah. know? And they got along great. Like, because... You know, like the Napalm Death guys were like, oh, we love Sick of It All. Like, we had your Revelation 7-inch, and we, like, they, they were fans. Yeah. You know? And then Sick of It All was like, oh, Napalm Death. Like, you know, when you first came out, we were like, because they were into speed, you know, yeah. like, yeah. faster, faster, hardcore, the better. Yeah. And they were like, you guys came out, we're like, Jesus Christ. And then, you know, they bonded over, you know, yeah. the UK and New York, and, you know, yeah. and they're like, they just played together again. Like, they co-headlined London together. Really? In front of, like, 3,000 people. That's awesome. You know? And it was like that was an amazing thing. Yeah, you know, you find these kinships, right, with these people. Awesome. So yeah, but like you know, Sepultura were great because they looked out for other bands. They were really good to other bands. Where other bands, you know, I won't name them all, that were dicks to opening acts. You know, yeah, I'm um, sure. I'm sure there's more than a handful. You know, you can't use all the production. You can't use all the lights. We're gonna put a limiter on the sound so you're not as loud as us. And, uh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that shit does happen all the time. And, like, Sepultura wouldn't do that. They right. wouldn't do that to the opening bands. Right. They were like, honestly, if you guys kill, it just makes us better. Like, it just makes our set better. Yeah. Because we have to try to top you. Right. You know, so it's like that friendly competition thing. Yeah. You know, and that was great about bands then, you know? Sure. Like, you know, then it gets to the point where, like, I'm not playing after them ever again. Yeah. You know, like, that <laughs> I that, can't follow that. That happened with a band, like, sick of it all. They're like, we can't play after them. Yeah, I, I really, honestly, off the top of my head, who the fucking, like... As a hardcore band, or even like, like how are you get a top sick? Yeah, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, oh, so Sick of It All tells the story in the book. They're like, we were playing some festival in uh, in Europe, 
So Slayer was on the bill, we were on the bill, but they're like, Slayer was playing the next day. They were at the same day as us. Okay. So Sick of It All plays. They're like, we're walking off the stage, and there's Tom Mariah, right? Uh-huh. And he's got his arms folded, and he's laughing. Huh. And they're like, they're like, what is he laughing about? They're like, and so Ministry was supposed to go on after Sick of It All. Right. And Tom's, Tom is standing there with his arms folded, and he, he didn't realize that Al Jorgensen was right behind him, like the guys from <laughs> yeah. Ministry. He's like, how the fuck are they going to go on after you? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. and like Ministry standing behind them. And that's when the, like, the Slayer Sick of It All love affair began. That's and then awesome. Slayer's like, we're taking you out. You know? <laughs> it, was, it was in like Argentina or Venezuela or something. Really? Yeah. And, and he was like, <laughs> and they're like, they're like, fucking Al Jorgensen standing right behind him. Oh, he's just fucking awkward shit right now. Yeah. And Tom, Tom's like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. He's like, who can play after that? Ministry can't go on after you. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was like, That's a great story. Yeah, you know? man. And uh, they were like, they're like, and then we realized we're like, Tom Araya just said that. <laughs> it's fucking Tom Araya. It's fucking amazing. So that was great. So what, what's the, what's your working title of the book? Oh, so it's called uh, The Blood and the Sweat. Fucking um, great. It's the story of Sick of It All's Kohler Brothers. Awesome. Um, so, and I really love the angle of the two guys. You yeah. Know, because they started the band. Sure. Um, they've been through all the fucking, the whole roller coaster ride of everything. Sure. 33 years. Um, every decision they've had to make affects the other brother, you know. Um, and just it's such a unique thing like I always find that stuff fascinating yeah like Igor and Max and Sepultura yeah. but like even like Noel and Liam Gallagher from Oasis you know yeah it's like you know they don't speak now but like there were points where they hated each other in the band Pete and Lou have never they don't fight like right. they don't even argue really you know okay. it's kind of amazing you yeah. know um, it's a very different kind of story but like that's the, great. The perseverance and like the dedication from those guys. Second to none, man. Second to none. Yeah. And just on a different plane. Like people can't even understand. You know, right. Like how they could even do that. Um, and they're still I, doing it. I, 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 I mean, I'm friendly with Craig and Lou right. and Armand. It's like I've been following them since the first time I've ever heard a sick of it all song. Yeah. And. It was like an honor that I did. I was invited to do gang vocals on this last record, right? And that's like a surreal moment for me. I've mentioned it before on the podcast. Yeah. Like I don't care, I'll say it again. Like to be in the studio. Like if you would have told me in like 1990 or 89, one of your favorite bands, one of my favorite bands ever, my favorite hardcore band, right? Overall, I'm gonna say, yeah. But to be in the studio. With the credit it's in the insane. record, that's just like really like. How the fuck did this happen? Well, it, it's funny. And I fucking... It's like... Appreciative isn't even the word. Right, it's right. It's fucking amazing. It's, a, it's an experience that you'll always have, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then you have the record on top of it, right? I got the record on top of it. I have an episode with just Lou. I have my 50th episode with everybody in the band except for Petey at the fly out. Right. It was Jerry Farley and the other three guys. We're right. sitting there eating pizza. Right. And I'm making up the set list that I want to hear. Abusing certain songs and this and that. And you suck because you don't play this song and it's great. And Pete's like just cringing at me like that song sucks. And they're like, no, it doesn't. It's fucking great. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, then like we were talking, you know, I've been interviewing them for the book like once a week. Like we talk all the time. Yeah. And so last week we were talking about something to do with Blood, Sweat, No Tears. And then, and then, you know, Lou's like, he goes, you know, you wrote a lyric on that album. I'm like... Oh yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah, because 
it, it was like a couple of words. I don't know if I would say I wrote a lyric, but um, the the lyric in Injustice System okay. was um, led around on a leash. Right. And Lou was having a hard time with the phrasing because it was too few words. Okay. Right? So I was like, what about led around blindly on a on short, short leash? leash. And then he goes, okay, good. That's perfect. He yeah. does it one take, right? Like, and that's over. And then I was like, I forgot I did that. You know? Yeah. Then I, I, was I like, didn't know that. Was that's like, an awesome, cool little tidbit of info. But I'm like, I, didn't, I never looked at it as I wrote a lyric, you know? I didn't see you, it that you way. You altered something that wound but, up becoming but, but, a thing. But he said, he goes, he goes you wrote a lyric. He goes, you, you, there's two words that weren't there before, you know? Yeah. I was like, okay. You, know, you completed I, a sentence. I was like, I never asked you for publishing. <laughs> uh, you know, that would have been a dick move. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But uh, but he, he like said that and I'm like shit I did didn't and I sang I sang gang vocals on that album right so you know we lived up in Normandy for three days and made blood sweat no tears in three days twenty one right. songs recorded and mixed three days yep it's incredible three days no sleep just fucking get it done just going up in Normandy studios yeah we did there's there were. Uh, Two extra songs because we wanted them as bonus tracks. So they did 21 songs. And which were the two extra songs? What did they do? I forget which they are because it all sounds like one album to me, you know? So I forget which were the two extras. Right. Um, but there were two songs that were not part of the main album. Right. And then they added them for like just the CD or something like that. Okay. Because at, at that point you had to like boost the CD somehow. Yeah. So we're like, oh, there's two extra songs on the CD. Yeah, you know? extra bonus tracks. Right, so they're listed. Yeah. Like, if you look at it, they're listed as yeah. bonus tracks. But um, it was only for the CD. So the vinyl huh. and the cassette had one track listing, and the CD had plus two songs. Crazy. Um, but that was just crazy. Like, three fucking days, they nailed that whole thing. It's incredible. You just get bleary-eyed, and, you know. Yeah. Lou was just like, I just, I don't remember anything I did, you know. Yeah. He's like, because I hate how I sound. That yeah, oh, he told, he told me that several times, too. I hate the way I sound. Because I've told him, I was like, you know, not to blow smoke up your ass, but Blood, Sweat, No Tears is probably my favorite record right. of all the time. And he's like, I hate that, you know. Oh, I hate I hate the way well, I that's, sound. that's why they re-recorded it. Yes. He goes, because now we can record it the way we play it live. Right. And they're like, so they redid it later on. Yeah. Uh, and... He's like, because I'm just monotone, like, through the whole thing. I just feel like I'm shouting. Like, it's not, like, my voice. You can hear the songs when I sound tired. Right. I'm like, dude, you know, we recorded an album for Peanuts. <laughs> you did 21 songs in three days. Like, what do you want? Like, yeah, really. Like, what do you expect? You yeah. Know? Um, and he goes, no, I know. He goes, but, like, you know, it's part of my catalog. And, like, I have to look at it and go... Yeah, I'm not so happy with like, how, like I don't want to tell people like, yeah, that's me at my finest, you know. Yeah, I don't like you being silly, you know. Yeah, like don't don't worry about that. Like fans don't care. No, no yeah. I would give two shits. Sometimes I like that the production isn't, you know, yeah, like, 2019 right, production. Right. Like I like that. Oh, I'm so glad it's not. Oh, yeah, because it so. kept it sounding like a hardcore record. Absolutely, and it didn't like it had like. Pete had like a metal guitar tone, yes. but it's not like you know. Leeway was recorded, uh, Born to Expire, right? And that's really it's different. metal. Yeah, that's you know? fucking metal. It's basically metal, and I love it. Uh, but it's it's not what Sick of It All did. Sick of It All tried to have like a metal guitar tone, like a beefy guitar tone yeah. and bass tone, but like the approach of it all was still like a hardcore punk band, you Fuck know. Yeah. And so they kept it that, you know. Yeah. Um, so that is another great feature of that album because it's 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 that time, you know? Yeah. That like eighty eight, eighty nine New York thing when like 
the, the torch was sort of being passed from the old bands, the Cro-Mags AF, Murphy's Law were already, their sounds had changed, you know, and like Murphy's Law's got horns now, and you know, because they love the boss tones and that type of stuff, and they love ska. So, you know, it's like a, it's a document of that time, like that New York hardcore period, you know, yeah. and Killing Time's another one, you know. Sorry. Yeah, it started man. as raw deal, and it has this metallic thing about it. Sure, it but does. you would never call it a metal album, you know. No, like Brightside is yeah. not a fucking. Metal that was that modern day late '80s New York hardcore. Yeah, you know? that's what the sound became. Yes. You know? and then everybody wanted that sound, and it all came from from that Leeway album, really, because that's why everybody wanted to go up to Normandy. But what's funny is Leeway and the Chromags went up to Normandy because they heard the Wargasm album. Which, um, which was, was the Boston band. Right, no, um, I've, I've seen them live and I have the picture and I have the clown. Yeah, so that What's album... What's the name of that record? I, I'm going to remember when we're not trying, of course. Great album. What comes... What? I forget what something it's called. Around, play, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, it something... It's not play games. No, I think that's Doggy Dog. You're barking up the right tree. I, uh, uh, I, I have it in my head. But they did their album up there first because they were from Boston and the studio was in Rhode Island. And so they went there and people heard that album. And that's what I hear is why Chris Williamson took the Chromax there was because of the Wargasm album. Really? And that's why, you know, they went up there. And then, you know... I know that we all heard the Leeway album and we're like, well, what do you think about using the guy that, you know, Leeway, Leeway used up there, you know, Tom Soares. And so that's when... Uh, Why play around? Why play around? Play was in there. We yes, did. play something, what goes around, play. But we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so one of the, yeah. the, I knew I was in the Thank God for one. Google. Right? But, but, uh, but everybody heard that album and that's why the Chromax went up there. Leeway goes up there because Chris Williamson was the quote unquote producer of those albums. Clown. Speaking of clowns. What do you know about producing records? <laughs> you know? So, you know, they go up there and I know, like, I heard that Leeway album. I was like, whoa, yeah. shit changed. Shit, shit done changed. changed right there. Yeah. And like, whoa, you know? Yeah. And so we were like, let's go up there. But we were very like, we don't want that big metal thing, you know? And there's people who think Blood, Sweat, and No Tears is too metal, you know? Oh, and, my God. Which is insane. That's, yeah, that's insane. Same thing with the Killing Time album. It's yeah. like, oh, sorry, it wasn't, you know, we didn't do it for $15, right. you know, on a fucking boombox, you yeah. know? If you it's think like, that record's a metal album, you're an idiot. Like, it's like, like, it's metal. You, and, know, you know what you're talking and about. Pete, Pete and Lou were, were used to, like, at that point, they grew up on underground metal, you yeah. know? So production with metal was a big deal sure. hardcore it wasn't you know it, it was almost like you were a sellout if you had a nice amp you know it's true it's, yeah, like, it's, it's true. so stupid it is but it's very like, stupid but like there was that mentality right yeah it's like oh label bought them that you know yeah. it's like so fucking what <laughs> yeah who well, gives a shit exactly. you know I mean, I remember like when we all got shit with the NFX jackets that we had, right? Oh my Sick of it all. Got sellouts with the boot, and, and it was like, come on. Uh, listen, first, clearly, like, and I've said this once before somewhere. I was like, that was my Def Jam fantasy. Like, that was my whole. Right. We're never. I'll never have a Def Jam jacket. So right. we make our own. Yeah. Like, I was you like, make fucking you know, effect jacket. We'll make an effect jacket. Do you so, still have one? I have it. I had given it to my dad. Really? Um, so. Uh, I, after I, I just sort of stopped wearing it and I left there I had like a bad taste in my mouth after I got fired yeah of so course I gave the jacket to my dad and uh, so he would wear it and you know he still lived in Queens right so 
uh, I gave it to him, and he told me this story that one day he'd been at a Wendy's, like near near the house, near uh-huh. our house, so like near Springfield Boulevard, Hillside Avenue, right. not too far from the, 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 the warehouse right. where, where everybody worked. And he's like, I'm in there, and these three guys came up to me, and it turns out they were like all like DMS dudes, right? And so oh, then, then they were like, they, and my name is on the jacket, and they, they knew me. Yeah. So they were like, Where'd you get that jacket? They thought like somebody stole the jacket. Oh shit! And so they were about to like roll up my jacket. You know? <laughs> oh my god! And, and he, they're like, they're like, you know Howie? You know, like he's like, that's my son. Like, oh cool, sorry. You yeah. Know? Oh, they're like, shit. cool, cool. Like you know, enjoy your French fries. You know. <laughs> and, and so he told me that story once, and then uh, he passed away, and I kept it. You know, so yeah. I still have it. Okay. And I kept it almost more because he wore it than of course. than even uh, like having it originally. You know. Well, it's a like, party. Never, it's a party whole story. I'll man. never sell it. I'll never do any of that shit. No. You know. Um, but yeah, I still have my jacket. That's awesome. <laughs> what? Well, how about this? What? Why wouldn't you? I feel like Jamie Jasta. He always has these these ideas <laughs> for his guests. What? Why wouldn't you? Would you ever make like a limited run of like in effect shirts? We've talked about it. Bill and I talked about it because you know Bill dude, made the Lamar hats, right? Yeah. So, dude, that would be fucking we, awesome. We almost like we started to have this conversation about like making, you know, kind of like limited run stuff. That would be fucking right? awesome. I'd fucking cop that. You get a hoodie. A you, you know something. that band, No Warning? Sure. Okay, so No Warning. When I worked at Jive and Zamba. They got signed to uh, Lincoln Park's label. They had an imprint through Warner Brothers. Okay. And so they signed No Warning, right? right? And I don't right. even know if those guys, like in Lincoln Park, knew the history of like hardcore or any of that I stuff. I probably that, doubt that, it. That No Warning was like the Toronto hardcore band that like sort of sounded like a New York band. You know? Right. And so I met those guys from No Warning. And we're talking, and I'm like, you know, I'm talking about hardcore. They're like, holy shit, somebody here at Samba, like, knows about hardcore, right? Yeah. And then it came out that I was a guy from In Effect. They're like, you were, you did In Effect? And and they were like, remember when you guys put, like, the little ad in the records for clothing? Like, you guys were going to make clothing? Yeah. I was like, yeah, we never made it, because, like, nobody gave a shit, you know? Yeah. And they're like, we made our own. They're like, we made our own in effect shit, like oh, up in shit. Toronto. Really? And we're like, I was like, what? Yeah. And they're like, they start showing me pictures, like of like this really good looking shit, like sweatshirts, really? hoodies, t-shirts with the in effect logo on it. Like they made their own in effect gear. Wow. And I was like, whoa, you know? Yeah, man. And, you know, so they made their own shit, you know. Dude, like you should do a run, man. Well, we we've talked about it. We have, we probably have to revisit that conversation. You know that the, it'll fuck, you'll sell them out in a fucking heartbeat. We if you could. do like a limited short yeah. run, like, yeah, yeah. like this is it. This is all the. It's like what Danny Boy does with his Delta Bravo right, right, stuff. Right. Limit. I'm making they're, fifty when hoodies. They're gone. They're gone. That's it. I'm making fifty hoodies. Yeah. Done. Like we we made those merciless shirts, and they. They were, they were gone in an hour. I don't know? have one. Yeah, they were gone. I know. You know, so we made 30. Yeah. You know, because we're like, I don't know if anybody wants these. Right. You know? Yeah. We're like, we know we have a lot of listeners, but I don't know if anybody wants a fucking shirt. Right. You know? So we came up That's with, with all the tapes. With the cassettes. Yeah. The cassette tapes. And so I hand wrote all that shit, like, on the tapes, you know? Yeah. I was like, we'll make 30 shirts, you That's know? It. And, like, we put it up on Facebook. They were gone in an hour. People were PayPaling us money, you know? So... We're like, well, let's not make the same design again. Right. You know, if we're going to do another one. Right. And that's when we went on hiatus. 
like with the show for a while. Yeah. So we're like, let's just wait till we come back, and yeah. then we'll make a totally different shirt. Like we'll build it up again, and then yeah. we'll make a new shirt. You know. What's going on with, with Merciless? So. We could finally talk about this, which is fucking great. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we've been trying to do. It. I mean, I was supposed to have you on with Bill. Well, and this when, and that. when and we was, were going to do it with Bill, we were going to sort of announce it with you, right? And then like we just couldn't get our shit together. Then it snows. Then it fuck. Like, yeah, we couldn't pull it together. So Things happen. I'm just glad you finally had Bill on. Um, yeah, that, and I caught him at a perfect time. It was. Right before Cannibal Hulk came out, right. so it was just that all that maybe worked out for all the good that reasons. That album is so damn good. It's so the filthy. Concept, it's so right. I love it. It's so great. And he was like, you know, I hope people get it. You know, oh dude. And then people totally got totally it. Totally you know? get it. And and it's a great album. Yeah. He even said he's like it's like yeah, it's more like an EP or something. And I was I was he was like you know who wants to hear like sixteen songs about me rapping about like Cannibal Hulk eating right, right, like right. bad salts? I'm like I do. Right. 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 I'm like everybody does. Exactly. He's like I do. I was like, yeah, but everybody does. Yeah. So, so you know, we, we kept we kept doing Merciless at, at Bushwick Radio for a little while, and the guy, uh, Prime Time, was great to us, like, the whole thing. But, like, I had shit going on, and Bill was going on tour, and, like, we just couldn't, like, keep it regular. We couldn't do it consistently. It was tough. Right. So we were like, let's just take a break, you know, and we'll, we'll come back to it. So I started talking to Bill. I was like, we should approach Prime Time and, like, like, see if we can sort of take over the station, you know? Because he really wanted to do other stuff than hip-hop and dance. Right. You know, so we'd have, like, a Latin show and a house show and, like, lots of hip-hop shows. And then there was just us, you know? Yeah. But we were the biggest show that they had. Like, right. we were the most listened-to show that Bushwick Radio had. Like, maybe we can curate the station for him a little bit. Yeah. But then we're like... but. Maybe we shouldn't do it here. There are reasons, but I'm not going to... It's it'll, fun. It'll sound negative, so I don't want to go there because right. I love those, those guys. Yeah. And so, and they gave us a great opportunity, and it was a great spot. But, like, let's not... Maybe we won't do it here, you know? Yeah. So I was like, who or what can we, like, connect with that would help us, like, start an actual station as opposed to just having a show, you know? Yeah. So... I wouldn't even know how to fucking begin to wrap my head around well, even beginning so I, something. So like I that. did the, the the knowledge on it. Like yeah. tried to like learn as much as I could about like all the apps you can use, like Live Three Sixty Five and Spreaker, and like all these things where you can put a station on the air and like if they archive and it's easy to find. There's a website, you know. You can there's an app, so you can listen to it on your phone. You can listen to it when you're home on your computer, whatever. Right. So I was like, I'm going to approach CBGBs. Like the people who own CBGBs. Because they used to have CBGBs radio. Really? I was like, so let me... Well, who owns CBGBs now? It's just these, like, banker dudes who, like, you know, bought it and turned it into a merch company and put a restaurant in Newark Airport, right? Fuck it's like, it has nothing to do with music or right. club or whatever. So, but I know somebody who used to work there legitimately when it was there, and she knew, you know, the new owner. She's like, I'll connect you with them. I reached out to them. They didn't even respond. You know, Why is that like, not surprising? You know, they didn't even get back to me, right? right? I'm like, God, maybe there's like some somebody, you know, who I can team up with, you know, to do this. So I hit up Jesse Mallon. Okay. And I was like, you know, because I knew he did, like he did Little Steven's show yeah. a lot on Sirius. He had his own show with John Barbados on Sirius. Yes. He was on East Village Radio all the time, you know, and now East Village Radio is basically gone. Yes. I'm like, this is a shame. I'm like... But what a great idea that was, right? What if we could recreate something like that, you know? Sure. And he's like, I love it. He's like, we should do it. So, long story short, 
this summer, we're going to begin the launch of a new radio station that is going to be based in the basement of Coney Island Baby. Really? Yeah. So we don't have a name yet. Um, okay. We're, we're playing around with it. It could be Alphabet City Radio. It might be something like that. Okay. Um, uh, that's one of the ideas. Uh, okay. We have Tompkins Square Park Radio, like or Tompkins Square Radio, things like that. Okay. So because it's right there. Sure. So and he has such history. I and, just walked by there two nights ago. Yeah. So and, right he, and he has all his bars. You know, are down there. You sure. know, they're all in the East Village. Furthest, you know, west it goes is Third Avenue. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and so he's like, I love it. Let's let's do this. So they're building out a space right now, and um, so we're going to bring Merciless there. The Black and Blue Takeover is going over there. And then now, we're going to do a whole bunch of other different types of shows. We discussed the reggae show idea. Um, I talked to Caves about maybe doing a graffiti show. That's like Maybe awesome. like a monthly talk show where he brings like Lee Quinones or a Hayes or a Futura or whoever and like talks to them about their graffiti career, you know? Yeah. Um, but then Jesse knows a whole other ilk of like musicians, right? Sure. So Blondie, Patti Smith. You know, little Steven, Springsteen, you know, all this stuff. But then we're like, we have to have younger stuff, too. Like, stuff that attracts, like, a younger crowd. Yeah. You know, like, we're the old men at this point, you know? Sure. So <laughs> we're starting to put together, like, what we're going to do. Yeah. You know? I just talked to Roger Clark. I was like, you should come and do a show. Yeah. You know, like, to interview entertainers and, like, things like that, you know? And he's like, that's not a bad idea, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. Like, okay, we'll talk, you know? So... That's what we're doing. So we're we're gonna do That's like sort of a, like a soft launch over the summer. So we'll start doing shows, okay. but we won't have a ton of them. And then we're going to uh, we're going to probably like really kick it off in September. So that's the, the plan right now. Also, they're building out the space. You had an engineer come down about soundproofing and all that, and we found an app that I think we're gonna use, which is called Live Three Sixty Five, that puts you on the air. But the good thing about them is they pay the royalties. So a lot of this, like SoundCloud and stuff like that, it's not set up for music. It's right. set up for like talk shows, you right. know, podcasts. Sure. So they don't pay royalties when you play music to ASCAP or BMI. So the artists don't get paid, you right. know, um, which we found out the hard way when we were starting dumping our East Village radio shows onto SoundCloud, and we got a cease and desist from Megadeth. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. We'll never play Megadeth again. Real yeah. no shit. We're not even big fans, you know. But right. Like, there was a new Megadeth record out. But like, I guess we should play a song. Like, maybe we'll shit on it after we hear it. Like, maybe whatever. So you we'll played play a Megadeth it. song on Merciless, then you uploaded it to SoundCloud. Got a cease and desist, and then Universal. you got a cease and desist from Universal and, through Megadeth. And SoundCloud takes the whole episode down, so it's gone. Right. Oh my god. So we're like fucking How many people like us do you think play Megadeth? You know yeah. what I mean? Like we're the fuck we're the savior of your fucking band. Like, you no know shit. We're the ones who play your fucking band. Oh like, my god. Commercial radio got me angry. It's so stupid. It's so we, stupid. We got so pissed off for like like I don't remember what episode it was like forty or thirty something, whatever. Bill's like, yo, like episode thirty, whatever, just disappeared from SoundCloud. And he goes, I just got an email. There's a cease and desist from Universal on behalf of Megadeth. I'm like, come on. Really? Yep. So then we... we so that fuck that you'll never play Megadeth ever again. Never, ever again. And, and so, <laughs> but, then, but we learned a hard lesson. We're like, SoundCloud doesn't pay royalties. Right. So we could get in trouble. Right. You know, but what SoundCloud does first, they don't start suing anybody, but they take, take it down. Right. They just take it off. You know? Yeah. And we, you know, we have tons of other episodes up there. And then we switched to Mixcloud, which was made for DJs. 
so they pay the royalties. Right. They actually pay, you know, the performing rights societies for the music that gets played because it's not supposed to be for talk shows. It's for DJs yeah. and doing little DJ sets on the air, you know, on Mixcloud. So Live 365 pays, whereas like Spreaker doesn't. Like right. I'd have to go and do a deal with ASCAP and a deal with BMI yeah. and a deal with CSAC to pay everybody. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to just fucking... There, there, was a, there was a thing I had um, at Havoc from Mark Deepon. Right. And I was asking his, his lawyer slash uh, the manager guy, like, if I could end the episode with a Mob Deep song. And he's like, he was like, I so would like, have to We get, don't care. We don't care, but I have to go to three different people in order to get permission, blah, blah, blah. Or so else, sick. Because my host is SoundCloud. Right. So once I put it to SoundCloud, then it goes everywhere from there. Because they have to arrange to pay royalties for it. Right. So that's why at the end of the, the Havoc episode, there's no song. Right. Because SoundCloud doesn't pay it automatically. Right. Mixcloud does. Right. Live 365 does. Now, Spreaker, which is what Bushwick Radio uses, okay. doesn't. Ah. Uh. So we're like, are we ever going to get like a fucking lawyer's letter showing up? Like, right. You've done this many episodes on Bushwick Radio and played 20 plus songs every episode and you owe us a check. You know, uh, and yeah. we're like, "Fuck!" Like, we can't, like, we can't do that. No, you can't do and that. And I felt bad because I didn't know Spreaker didn't pay, right. and so I'm like, "Nobody's getting paid from this show, like, from our playing this music." Right. So Bill and I felt shitty because he's an artist. Yeah. And I'm very artist friendly, and I was like, "This sucks." You yeah. Know? Like, it's kind of a bad look for us, you know. <laughs> um, so let's just let. Stop for a minute. Yeah. Figure out what would be a better plan. You know? Sure. And that's how this came about. That's and, a fucking and, great idea. And Jesse was super enthusiastic about it. He just got it immediately. Sure. You know? And he was like, you know, like that New York centric stuff. No matter what style, if it's hip hop or you know garage bands or metal or punk or hardcore, whatever it is, uh, reggae. You know, also just rebel music. You know. Yeah. And you know, basically, like, let's do that. You know. And we just connected um, with a DJ um, named Delphine Blue, who also, she worked on WLIR, you know, so she knows how to do this stuff, too. Also, she's going to work with us on this. That's um, great. And we're just going to curate a radio station. That's a fucking beautiful thing, man. So it's kind of cool. Like, I feel like it's missing, you know? It is. It absolutely is. I think it's a brilliant idea. You know, like that old concept of radio, but a new, like almost a podcast version. Yeah. You know, Well, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Right. And it's radio, though. Like, we treat it like it's a radio station, and we broadcast like a radio station. Well, you can curse, and you can say whatever. Exactly. Right. So it's like, it's like satellite radio, but better. You know, right? But like with the podcast freedom, you know, beautiful. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna launch that, and that's something we we were gonna start talking about, but it's actually further along now. Like we're really doing it now. Right. The space is being built. You know. Ah, uh, it's fucking and great. We can broadcast from the stage, which is cool. So the stage is gonna get mic'd up. Yeah. So if people want to play from the stage. If bands want to play like live on the air, we can do that. Oh, that's fucking like, awesome. We, we can have events and use the DJ booth in the main part of the club. Yeah. You know, and like. It, 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 you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it's I was going to say, it's endless. Yeah. And, you know, I'll have some of the books out of the way so I can concentrate on that. You know? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, because Caves and I are working on something now that I can't, I can't say out loud okay. exactly what it is. But what I will say is it is another alphabet book. Okay. It's with one band, a very, 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 very big metal band. And we're doing their alphabet. And it's okay. to benefit... Their foundation, okay, um, and 
I'll just say off to Never Neverland. Okay. So uh, okay. think about it. I, I already got it. I got <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, we're doing that right now. That's awesome. And it's going to come out this year for the holidays. Nice. So they're rushing it out for November. Um, and it's just so fucking cool. It's like, it's a bucket list thing. I didn't know I had my bucket list because I didn't think it was, that, it was possible. Yeah. You know, but like breaking into doing alphabet books for like one artist yeah. is the hardest thing to do because there's all these unofficial, unauthorized books out on all these different types yeah. of bands. But like to actually do it with the band, you know, you could use their logo and like you get access to things that you, you know, you didn't have access to yeah. if you were just doing it on your own. Yeah. Um, like, you know, if we did a band's, you know, alphabet book, we wouldn't be able to use their logo without their permission, you sure. know, like all that stuff. So this is like now all, you know, that's amazing. All encompassing. And then it opens up a door for us to do more of those, you know, those fuck yeah, man. You know, like we'd love to do a kiss one. It'll never happen. Oh, $100 million. Well, that's the point, right? Yeah. The band we're doing it with took no advance. Beautiful. So that's what enabled it to happen. Yeah. Right? So that was great because they saw the big picture, right? Sure. Kiss would be like, oh, yeah, sure, half a million dollars. And, you know, yeah. like, we'll, we'll do that book. And it's yeah. like, yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no. Like, we, it doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah, but, we, there's other bands, like that. but there's other bands that would be great to do it with. Yeah. You know, we have some ideas about, like, what could be next. Yeah. Because this is going to give us, like, a lot of credibility to, like, do something, you know, like, you could say, look what we did with them. You know, like, we could do that with you. Yeah. And, you know, oh, it call, the call their manager or one of the band members, and you can ask them how cool it was to work with us. And, yeah. You know, whatever. Like, we made it easy on everybody. Fuck yeah. You know, we're not jerk-offs. And, right. You know, we weren't making demands. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, really. So, fucking great, you know, man. Caves and I are opening up the, the alphabet empire. That's all. <laughs> Dude, that's, that, that, I think it's a brilliant idea. It's awesome. It's fun, too. It's absolutely. It's actually really fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and people seem to appreciate it, which is even better. Yeah. Like, we do it, and people cared. Yeah. You know? So, it's, you pray for that to happen. Sure. You know, and then when you find out people do, you're, like, almost blown away, like, because you didn't expect it. You don't know what to expect. Yeah. Like, we did this little book, and we had a cute idea, whatever. Yeah. And you're like, and now gonna, look. You know, I don't know if anybody's going to like it. Like, I don't know if it's going to connect with anybody. It sold out like this. It was, it was great. You know, like, there's a store right here on 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge. It's a, it's a big bookstore. All kinds of in-stores and you yeah. know, whatever. And yeah, when are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? We did one for the first one there. Right, no, I'm saying um, for part two. So, I mean. so we're talking to them about doing another one. Awesome. Because they sold... Sold like 150 copies of the first one or something like that. Awesome. It's all because of caves. This is fucking. This, this is, is his name. kingdom. He's like you know? the fucking mayor. He's I the know. mayor. This is his kingdom. Yeah. And uh, you know, so you know, we went. We did a reading there already for the first one. Yeah. And it was cool because it was like it was intimate. We got to read to like actual kids. And yeah. Like all that. People brought their kids down. But then the, we get done with it, and they have this giant stack of books on. The, on the counter, and they're like, "These are all pre-orders. You need to sign these." Wow! Because we sold them as pre as signed by yeah. the author. Oh, that's awesome! Books and like they had this huge stack. I'm like, we couldn't have sold more than thirty books today. They're like, "No, that's about what we sold." But we have another hundred and like twenty that people pre-ordered, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, when they come in, have them sign it." Oh, that's great. You know, so we did that. So that's great. Yeah. The second one's out today. It's like. Sick of it all, you know. Sick of it all. Alphabet, uh, alphabet, big band, alphabet book. Yeah. And now what's now now now? Um, it just popped back in my head. Um, I know that. I don't know who told me. I want to say. Q 
your unique probably told me what's going on with King's Bounty yeah so uh, I know that he's been posting about a revamp and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah yeah so we but shout out to Caves shout out to uh, Caves to Q Unique and Mike and Mike which I had them on way back yeah. both of them as King's Bounty I had Q on as Q Unique yep. but I had Mike and Q on as the band great guys and like fuck yeah they started this band you know Ill Bill was the original bass player yes and so they started this band together and then, honestly, it was weird because then Mike came into the band. And so Bill was like, I would have to practice so fucking much to keep up with him. Yeah. You know? He goes, I'm the bass player of this band. Like, he's the guitar player. He goes, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Like, right. Because I've got my career. Like, right. And I'm not sure. It was like an idea that, like, when you, you first, like, let's start a band. You know, I want to play in a band again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I haven't played since Injustice, whatever. Like, uh, let's do this. He goes, you know, you're not thinking about, like, the outcome or right. like, whatever. He goes, and Mike comes in the band. He goes, I just, he was really pushing him to practice and stuff. And he's like, I just don't even know if I have time, you know, yeah. to do that. So he stepped away, which was very, very gracious of him, actually. He's like, I don't want to be in your way, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Well, he gets it. Yeah. He gets, he gets it. And I was following them for a while. They were playing some shows and. <laughs> you know, doing demos and things. And who would have thought that Q Unique can sing like a songbird? Well, like you know, he, he got uh, he got put on by Jonathan Davis from Corn, like yes. helped him to learn how to sing. Yeah, because he spent all this time on the road with him. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so I was watching them, and I didn't really realize that. Like, and I'd see him at the shows, but I didn't know Vaughn Lewis and Kenny Gabor were also watching them. Uh huh. So. They played this one show at Bowery Electric, and it was like that one show where you see a band, like it came together. Yeah. Like the whole thing you've been watching, uh-huh. like it gelled. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, they're good now. Yeah. You know? Like they got really good. Yeah. And so I'm there, and Vaughn's there, and like I've been, you know, he, like Q was like, maybe you should manage us. And like, yeah. you know, and like he's having similar conversations with Vaughn. Yeah. So they were like, why don't we just all do it together? All right. <laughs> so I co-managed them. With Vaughn and Kenny, you know they managed to kill Switch Engage and like uh, like Torch and like all that stuff and uh, I think Parkway Drive now. Okay. And so we're like, let's let's do it. So we started managing them like uh, less than a year ago, and so uh, they released the Denial single. Um, so that's on all the services. Yeah. Starting to get on the Spotify playlist now and all that kind of stuff. They did a great cover of Subliminal. Yeah, great cover. Great. Fucking we're sort of sitting on the shelf right now. Uh, so, so good. We'll, we'll get to that later, right? Okay. Um, we'll release it somehow later. Right. And so now we're like, okay, do we do just one more single and then an EP or whatever, and then get them on the road? So it's all like which we're planning, you know. So sure. Um, but you know the single. Uh, you know, we're getting we're getting a little love here and there, but like building a band from scratch, which is for all intents and purposes, what they're doing, regardless of Q Unique being Q Unique and right. Mike having it's a d- different animal, different animal, and you're starting from zero, you know. Yeah. And you know, it takes it takes time, and it takes like being able to react to things that happen and decide what to do next, and right? All that stuff. So that's where we're at, you yeah. Know? But that denial single is on iTunes and it's on Spotify. It's on all the services. Right. Um, again, a lot of the playlists on Spotify are starting to fuck with it. Yeah. Um, and we had a video already, which is great. Yeah. Um, so now it's like it's probably like let's do another one, and you know, uh, and just build. You know, yeah. just keep building. You know. But I love that 
they're like on the more commercial side of like yeah. metal and everything. Sure. Because there hasn't been a band like that from New York in ages, you know? No. And somehow they still sound like a New York band. You know? They do. And, you know, one was an MC, one's been in hardcore bands, and but, you know, Mike's dabbled in all kinds of things, sure. obviously. And, like, his, their record collections are very vast, and they listen to everything. Yeah, um, big time. You know, and so basically, like, they're, they're putting, those two guys putting their heads together has been really fun to watch. Like, yeah. you know, see the shit that they come up with, and, and the ideas that they are able to, like, put together from their opposite, you know, kind of ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And, and, just, you know, Q can really sing, and Mike's yeah. a great guitar player, and he's got a style, and it's, you know... It's, you hear it, you know that that's Mike Dijon. Yeah, and like, it's starting to get to the point where now you hear songs from them, and you're like, that sounds like King's Bounty. Right. You know, where, like, that first year and a half or whatever, they're just trying to find themselves. Like, mm-hmm. what do we sound like, you know? And it's like, now I know what they sound like. Yeah. And it's a little all over the place, because it goes into, like, you know, Soundgarden world, and then it goes into, like real heavy fucking crunchy mm-hmm. picking and you know and and melodic and screaming and but not like screamo nonsense right. so it's not like he sings like Q sings most of yeah. the time but it's aggressive and he has like other vocal ideas that he gets from hip hop you know that like sure. some other metal singer would never get you know right. um, so it's cool like I love the blend of ideas that goes into that band yeah. and now they're like finally getting to that like I think we have a great album you know so yeah. we're getting to that point like so the whole good building to that point you know yeah. like do we have an album we can put out that people will give a shit about yeah. you know like yeah. like that's where it's at right now yeah. I hope it all works out because Q's a fucking sweetheart of a guy like, one of the nicest guy, people I've ever met dude which isn't necessarily great for a metal band, but you right. know. But the, the <laughs> energy of that dude, like sitting there, I did the the episode with him, but but and then I saw, I saw Q open up for Jedi, Jedi and, and just amazing, and just amazing, and just I was watching those things and I was smiling because he look he was having a ball up there. big time. I saw it's, that too. I just I saw that I'm like. Good for you, man. I'm saying I'm I think you were standing next to me, if I'm not mistaken. I probably was. I think we were like in the corner by the stage yes. like when he was on. Yeah, you were right there. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and so, you know, we're watching and it's like, it, watching your friends uh-huh. do their thing and do it great yeah. is so awesome, yeah. you know? Like, so many of these people that I've worked with or I'm friends with or I've had just something to do with, like, when I see them, like, just kill it, yeah. like, I'm so fucking proud of them. Yeah. Like, you get into that Little League dad mode, right? Uh-huh. Where it's like when I see uh-huh. Bill do a great show, or Lords of Brooklyn does a great show, or Sick of It All does a great show, Madball does a great show, whatever, and you've had this years of history with them and this stuff, you're just like, man, like, my kid just hit a home run, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> my kid. You're like high-fiving the other dads, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, it's amazing. Like, that was a night with Q. Yeah, and like, it's great. He was like, oh, it was a good show, you know? I was like, no, you... Like fucking connected, it. you connected big time. Like because a fraction of that audience really knew who you were, right. and most of them didn't. You right. know? And you won that whole place over. Yep. Like just by rhyming. Yeah. You know. Like it's him. He did. Nems came out and did right. his little feature, but for the most part, it was just him. I can't wait for that Nems album. Me neither. Oh my god, he's he should be huge. He should be huge, and, and it may every- happen. And every fucking feature that he does, he kills the song. And he's just a freestyle maniac, you know? an animal. And just everything I hear, like, is quality. And yeah. he's really pretty. But it's so, t- it's, and it's so terrible. It's so fucked up. Is he, yeah, he's yeah. Not a horrible person. Like, I was talking to somebody, I was like, I was like, you know that, like, you know, 
that like shit you would never play for your kids yeah. and like whatever I was like that's, that's what he does that's but nap. he's so good at it he's like, so good <laughs> you know yeah. I was like you know and then like him and Bill are doing a record together Gorilla you know? Twins and I it's believe like, oh yeah. god like just I can't wait to hear that grimy and just oh, not nice it's gonna be so <laughs> not nice it's gonna be so awesome you know but it's like nice to look forward to hearing records like you know and again I don't care what genre it is like, no me neither where it comes from it's like there's an energy to that stuff that's the same to me as fucking Madball or yeah, fuck or absolutely or, or whatever Chromax. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. Yeah, it's coming from the same place, dude. That's so it's perfect that you said that because I'll hear something like I'll post something like like I'll post like some rap song like whatever like Cannibal Hulk or right. like you know or, or like Hulk Meat the first yeah. video that he made and like I would get like like a comment or a message like you know like. How could you listen to like hip hop when like, like when like you just posted like that that fucking new Terra song right, like, or whatever yeah yeah I'm like oh, whatever whatever but people made. get hung up on that shit I'm like, like but dude it's the same thing but they get this perception of what they think hip hop's about and so uh, they don't so understand wrong you know? right and it's like it's the same energy like same. it's rebellious street kid music yeah you know and it's I like, don't like rap. But it's you'll like, listen to like Sick of It All and Terror Wisdom and Chains. Like, right. Really? Like, but then they'll go, hey, KRS One was on that record. It's like, but you don't even like that. Right. You know? And it's, 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 it, it, yeah, it, it makes me fucking crazy. But these preconceived notions. But that goes back to what we were talking about before about America and the rest of the world. Yeah. Music stuff. It's like, in America, we get so, well, I don't, and I try not to anyway. Like, get so caught up in these subgenres and like oh, so forget even hip hop like it has to be a certain kind of hip hop fuck you know? all that and like it has to be a certain kind of hardcore I only like beat down hardcore so I don't like melodic hardcore and oh, I don't like God. this and that it's like are you fucking crazy yeah, do you know crazy. how much shit you're missing out on yeah you know and it's like people get hung up on that stuff and overseas they don't it's right. music yeah. right so if you look at the way the festivals I was are just gonna there, say that it's right? like it's like there's Aerosmith and Wu Tang, Wu Tang Slayer and AF. Yeah, it's know? like what Twisted Sister and Scorpions and, and an fucking audience for all of it. Yeah, but the whole field of people stay, stay and watch all of it. It's fucking beautiful. I mean, it's a different thing, and it's so much better. And it's like, you know, it, I wish it was more like that here because kids also like they get so wrapped up in like what this stuff means to their identity yeah. like so with their friends right. like uh, what yeah. they like and how it like reflects on their circle of friends right and it's so stupid like it's so and, dumb and I get that like let's say you got into a hardcore band when you were 15 right like they may not be the coolest thing in the world to you when you're 18 it's right. only three years right but it's like it moves that fast right sure and you know so like people look at terror like they're like an old band now, right? Right. Like, Turnstile is going to be that next year. Sure. You know? Yeah. And it's like Turnstile's. It just happened. Like it just like, happened. Yeah. You know. It's <laughs> like and you're like you turned off to them now because now it's not loose or this band or that. You know. Right. It's like and then nobody's going to care about them and it's like you know it's that's that's one thing that we've been talking about a lot. Me, Pete, and Lou is that how to keep the young kids caring about. The band that's been around for thirty-three years, yeah. right? Because they're like, well, I know. They, 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 I mean, they they have already flipped their 
their crowd and their fan more base. Than once. Yeah, more than once, absolutely. More than once. Yeah, I've heard Vinny actually say it on the Broad Street Breakdown, which which if any of you guys are listening, you need to fucking do that more often. Shout out to Vinny Pass. Absolutely. And and, the and whole OG crew. Gavin, the whole crew. But like he even said like he like he'll see like he'll be overseas and he'll see a dad with their with his right. son, right. which which is amazing that you're able to flip your audience yeah. to remain relevant by not changing what you're doing. That's right. Well, but they're like, that's not even enough. They're like, we know we give 110 percent every night. They're right. like, we kill it. They're like, us at our worst is still a great show. Yeah, you know? yeah. They're like, if we if we all have the flu, we're still going to do a great show. Absolutely. They're like, so we don't worry about that. Right. They're like, but. You got these kids that are into the trends of it, right? Uh-huh. And they into the subgenres and like like they don't like bands that are under you know over twenty years old even. Like they get into these weird yeah. places and they're like Which so to me it doesn't make sense. They're like, we don't have that problem overseas. We right. have that problem here. They're like, so we want to take out like these cool bands with us, right? Yeah. Like we'll take out like, you know, one of the hotter, younger bands, right? They're like, but those kids if we headline, they don't stay for us. All of them won't stay for right. us. They're like, some of them will stay because we're sick of it all. But some of them are going to stay. Right. But they're like, you get that faction of that audience that doesn't care. You know? Yeah. Like they saw the younger band they came to see whose T-shirt makes them cool at school on Monday. Right. You know? They're like, so they don't give a shit about us. Right? And they're like, so sometimes we have to play after the young band. So that we play to their kids. Right. You know, so that they'll stay in the room. Yeah. You know? And then we'll always do great. You right. know? But they're like the fact that we have to do that it's, like, it's is crazy. weird, yeah, you know. But weird. we understand it, you know. Right. But it, these kids have a different mentality, you know, yeah. and it's very trendy. And it's very like if I wear this shirt, it's not cool anymore. No. Because you know? like the jerk off in school, the quarterback likes that band now. Right. Like so yeah. it's not cool anymore. Like I gotta find the obscure young band and like wear their shirt so only the hardcore kids know what I'm talking about. Right. And it's like that's so stupid. Yeah. I get it though. I get it. It's kids, childish. Kid, but it's kids doing it. Right. right? Yeah. So I understand that. Like right. I get it, but it kills me. Yeah, me too. It's like so you're gonna miss out on seeing a band like Sick of It All tonight because you're hung up on some bullshit. Yeah. Know? And it's like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, you Snap know, out of it. Just, you gotta, like, be a little more open-minded. Open Absolutely. You know, so it's, but it's, that's their struggle now. They're yeah. like, and it's really only in America. They're like, we only have this problem here. And what's is so fucked up, it's like ironic. It's like, the, the, it's home base. Right. You should be killing it. I mean, and but Sick of It All does well. Yeah, no matter what. They'll always do well. Right. You know, well. In New York, they'll always yeah. fucking do well. But they said that's what's interesting now about, you know, there's that, Last five years crop of like crossover bands, yeah. The Municipal Waste, the you know Iron Reagans, like those kinds of bands, yeah. Toxic Holocaust, where it's like that. They're reminiscent of like that eighty-five to eighty-six, like crossover thrash thing. Yeah, they're like even like they, outro, right? Too. And yeah. they're like they love us. Yeah, they love Slayer. Yeah, they love you know this band. They, they might even like Lamb of God, like some of the younger, yeah. you know. They're like, they grew up on that. Like, yeah. they're like Pantera babies. You yeah, know? yeah. They're like, you know, where <laughs> we were like, you know, the Slayer Metallica babies. You sure. Know? And they're like, they, they're, it's a, you know, a bunch of years later. And then, you know, that's where, you know, bands came from influenced by Pantera. Yeah. They're like, so they, but they don't give a shit. Like, they like metal, they like hardcore, they like anything aggressive and cool. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, so they're like, they love playing with us. We love playing with them because... They respect us. We respect them. We have the same record collection, even yeah. though like we're older than them. It doesn't matter. Their kids will stay for us. Like our kids stay to see them. You know, 
They're yeah. like, you know, Byron Reagan's headlining a night of the Black and Blue Bowl. Like, yeah. It's like, that wouldn't happen a few years ago. Right. No, not at all. You know, and that's it, that's a new thing, too. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, not a New York hardcore band playing no. last, you know? Yeah, not at all. And, but it works. It does it work. It works now, you know? Yeah. And it didn't always work, yeah. you know? And, uh, but, it, but it's cool. They're like, but they're like, that's where we have a comfort zone with that stuff. Because yeah. those kids who like those bands, those are the best kids to play in front of right now. Sure. You know? Because they just bear into it for the music. That's it. Yeah. You know, they don't want, they don't care about the trends. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, we're all fucking loser misfits, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, if you wanted to call us that. They were compared to everything else we are. Yeah. 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 But, uh, fuck all of it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Fucking, you've got a lot of shit going on. It's always interesting to talk to you. Because it's busy times. It's, it's good times, man. Yeah, and I'm like, I love that you've got, you're, you know, you're 100 plus episodes deep on this. Like, Me too, man. It's great. Like, you know. And just like you said, like, you had no idea what you, no idea. with the book. What, like, me, dude, I don't make money. I have fun doing yeah, yeah. this shit bullshit. And to, to, everyone knows that I started the podcast to promote a show that never happened. Right. Right. I was going to do a festival in Brooklyn and shut down the block over the weekend and do right. this big outdoor thing. That was the thing. point. That was the whole point. Oh, let's make a podcast to promote it. Right. That never happened. And here I am. Yeah. It's 105 a, episodes in. It's, you know, it's great because it's like this, let's call it the branch to the shit tree. It's right. like the shit tree is life. Right. And it's like, oh, we got the, the, the you know, the Brooklyn blast furnace branch to the shit tree. It's right. Like, it's over here and it makes me have a fun yeah, right. experience while I have to go through like actual work. Exactly. <laughs> Which I took off the fucking real work to fucking do this. Right, like, exactly. That, you, know? you know? I'm getting paid anyway. Right. You're getting paid something. I'm I have a s I'm taking a sick day. Yeah, whatever it is. And that's it. But I get paid for the day. But you know, it's amazing that this is still going and the, yeah, the radio show shows and like we have all these friends who are great artists doing their thing. Yeah. And, like, you know, we're sitting in Cave's restaurant yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, it's it's all connected. It's crazy. You yeah. Know? I mean, I just spoke with Roger Clark from New York One. He's a punk guy. Like, right. he's a punk and metal guy. Right. You know? And, you know, you wouldn't have known that from the air. No. I found that out because I saw him at a Murphy's Law show. You right. Know? And, and speaking of that, before I press record, he, I was on New York One. A while and, back. Yeah. And, and Jimmy G mentioned him. I think it was, so, you know what it was? I know exactly when it was. It was Vinny Stigma's 60th birthday party at St. Vitus, Vitus yeah. that Roger Clark was there. Right. That's and then Roger Clark and then something with Jimmy G. And the next thing you know, I'm hitting up Roger Clark to see if he would do a feature on New York One for, for this benefit that I did right, yeah. for the 9-11 people who were, who were still sick. Right. Right. And that's all... All connected. It's all connected. Yeah. And it's like, you know... It's like we had you on Merciless for a minute. You were yes. promoting another show. Was I like, was going was on Black Benefit. Benefit. And I was going on Black and Blue And you were Table. there already. Yeah. I was like, well, come on in. I was, like, yeah, because <laughs> you were on right before Black and Blue Takeover. And I was there early because I don't like to be late, even though today I was a little bit late because of parking in Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge is murder. Because parking. it's just torture. <laughs> and you and you and Bill were in there. So I went. I just read the lineup real quick. And that was awesome. And then I went right to Black and Blue Takeover. Like, come on in. It's like it's all fucking family, you know? Yeah, man. And it's like that's the beauty of it. It's like this, this all this fucking interconnected stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing. Like you, you know, it's you don't feel like you're in this alone, right? It's right. like it's like all these people around, and you have issues with people, and you have great stuff with people. And right. Issues get resolved, and then you, you fight with the people you're friends with. Right. It's, it's like, like it's like, like I, that's just like it's high school. school. Yeah, it's high school. 
But everybody just stop the nonsense and let's just fucking do shit, man. Let's all have fun and just do all the shit that we all love, that we all know we all love together. There's fucking a, there's, just do it. There's a lot of us, but there are a few of us, you know? Yeah. There's really only a few of us, and, like, we can't afford, like, not doing this all together. You right. Know? Not to sound like a big hippie, but... But it's like, the truth. But at the end of the true. day, it's true. Then we're not kids anymore. No. What and are we like, doing? Yeah. And it's like this... This, we can accomplish a whole lot more doing it together mm-hmm. than, than like you know everybody out like doing their own little thing and right. you know competing with one another and this that over what like, it's over tough what? and it's like you know it's but again it's high school like yeah. your best friend becomes like someone you don't like for a little while you make up later because you realize how stupid it was right. you know like it's yeah. like my best friend for a billion years oh, I can't believe I just had this huge fight with them right you know like it just happens it's yeah. just the way it is yeah but you know stop the violence. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Now, now I don't. Know, I mean, we were talking about all sorts of like royalties and shit. But is there a song that you would want to possibly end this with Ooh, for you? That's a good one. That's a good one. So, I guess something that at something, this, at this something point, that I'm not going to get a season desist because you know what would drive me nuts is if they take it down and then I have 104, 105, yeah. no 104. 106? Yeah, yeah. That right there, because I have well, OCD like that. Look like. I would go fucking crazy. When they took the one episode away. Yeah, that's no good. That can't happen. I, I, would, <laughs> I would say the, probably the most appropriate one would be, because we talked about it, we talked about the band, would be Sick of It All in Justice System. Because right. we talked about somehow I wrote a lyric on there. Okay. And I'm working on their book, and it's like I'm deep in Sick of It All world right now. And, and which, like, which everybody should be. Exactly. And so I think. Now, that, are we going to put it from Blood, Sweat, and No Tears or the nonstop remake? I'm saying Blood, Sweat, and No Tears. If they, were, not, if they were here, they would say the, the new one. Right. But I'm saying Blood, Sweat, and No Tears. They're outvoted. <laughs> they can't fucking. They have They're no not here right now. They're so not here. I'm also saying we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Howie, once again. No doubt. My pleasure. Yep. And My pleasure. Yeah. Always a good time. Always a good time. And, and thanks to Caves for letting us use this spot, the Brooklyn Firefly. Yes. Ovington and 3rd in here in Bay Ridge. Come get and some pizza. They got, they got fucking, they have live music sometimes. Pizza's great. There's live music. Get like a, a serious rapper will pop up in here once in a while. Yeah, every once in a blue. You know? And Adam DJs in here. And yeah. Like, but the food's great. It's a great spot. Like nostalgic. Yeah. You know, Brooklyn kind of stuff going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Caves art, you know? Yeah. It's a great spot. Great but, spot. Uh, but thanks to him for letting us just sit here without anybody else here. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, there's nobody here but us. It's awesome. We basically opened up the restaurant to we do did. a podcast. It's fucking amazing. Shout out to Cave. Shout out to everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks again, once again, Howie. Yeah. And we're going to close this out. Sick of it all in Justice System off of the 1989 in effect release Blood, Sweat, and No Tears in Justice System. We're over here now.
Yeah.